What's up, everybody? Last Thursday before the Super Bowl, trying to get this show in before another uh, Super Bowl party for Middlecoff tonight. Guy in and out, baby. Flew to L.A., already home. (laughs) We are, before we get more into those details, we are brought to you by our friends at MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM and the number one, MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM and the number one. Well, they will double your first deposit up to $1,000. If you use the promo code HAM1 and accept the bonus. Remember, if you accept the bonus, you have to bet the full amount of that bonus before you can withdraw funds. You can also decline the bonus, but either way, HAM1, let them know that we sent you. Before we look at some of the props, John, uh, let's, uh, for one final time here on this show, at least uh, uh, share what our bets for this Sunday's big game are. Okay, we got the Rams to win the game, minus four and a half. We have the Rams... To be leading at halftime, minus three. So we put 500. I mean, we're just, this is our last money after uh, blowing three Gs uh, two weeks ago. So we need the Rams. Strong start. I feel good if Burrow does become Joe Montana and they're just winning, you know, 14-7 or something at halftime, we still break even. So that's, uh, I, I feel very good about the first half bet. I do feel really pretty good about the big bet. You just, maybe Joe Burrow, I just keep thinking like, is he Joe Montana? So th- those are our two bets. He is Joe Montana. Yeah, he, he, he might be. You see, Joe, they asked Joe Cool what he thought about them calling J- Joe Burrow Joe Cool. And he's like, hey, he can have it. I'm not even that cool anymore. He said something like that. Like, I'm too old. Man, I, I'm loving Joe. We need more Joe Montana because he is still cool. That's the beauty of Joe Guy, Montana. He was, he was wearing Chuck Taylors today doing his rounds. High tops? Uh, look like tops. low tops. Look like tops. low tops. Yeah, yeah. The po- po- low top Chuck Taylor's popular with the, you know, six two and over crowd. Uh, yeah. Although Joe at this point, eh, probably still right there, you know. Uh, my you book, sh- you naturally shrink a little. I think once you get to your mid sixties, right? especially when you've been pounded into astroturf for bad back too, you know, years and years and years. Yeah, we've, we've been trying bad knee, bad everything, right? Everything kind of. Uh, yeah, go keep keep. Uh, Instagram commenting, uh, Joe Cool. A few. Uh, we need to get few... back to doing that, huh? Yeah, we should. Just go on the Haberman and Middlecoff podcast. I think the first time we did it, we were very subtle about it. Like people were in Joe's every Joe Montana Instagram post. People would post like Hampod, but you know that may not mean anything to Joe. Chances he does not check his mentions. Really <laughs> high, but whoever runs his like Guinness endorsement might. You know, I, I can see his kids looking like, what are these guys doing? That that, yeah. So we that's a post Super Bowl push. We got to go heavy on. I think. Yeah. Okay. Make a note, Montana. Just just nonstop tweet and Instagram at Montana. Yeah. Yeah. Is that would you say that's good? Uh, uh, is that military tactician kind of the kind of stuff Jonathan Allen would be impressed with? Yeah. Uh, Blitzkrieg. I think it's something that. Uh, that's right. Did Hitler? You know. Uh, instituted not i learned this because i didn't listen much uh in uh in junior high and high school he used meth so he had a uh a major advantage his troops they used methamphetamines they did not need to sleep guy did not need to sleep it was uh uh, no performance enhancing drug testing back in war in those days no they did run out of juice i think the second time around uh a few my bookie props 
Uh, will there be a scoreless quarter? Will Cincinnati score on its first drive? No. I'm I'm with you. No is minus 185, though. So, you know, there you go. How about the Rams? Will they score on their first drive? Yes. Plus 129. Um, score does mean field goal, too? You get Yeah, just score. Well, I mean, I actually don't. What, you don't think the Bengals, if they get field goal, guys got a big leg, would they just get in field goal range? Yeah, I mean, they could. I just don't think. I I have an overall take on the Super Bowl, specifically McVay, that I don't want to use now because we'll get to it in a minute. But I'll get to it in a minute. Um, and then you can tell me what you think. How about time of first score over under six minutes elapsed in the game? That's probably a fun one. <laughs> locked in for the first six minutes of the game. Why don't we institute these props more often in the regular season? I feel like people would fuck around with some of these. Don't you think? Yeah, I think you probably, my guess is you probably can. We have not ever, we've not gone deep, but they they don't have the list of these props during the regular season. I, yeah. I Um, just need them to score 12 points by the four minute mark. (laughs) You're you're pacing around your house. You're like, (laughs) That's where we're headed, clearly, right? A timeout at 6.05? No! <laughs> I do think, I mean, it's clear. What do you say in the next decade? There's, this is going to get come more and more in vogue. Could you imagine Eli Apple tackles and assisted tackles having the over-under on three and a half, and then just all you care about is how tackles get assigned during the course of the game? Like, yeah, did Eli we'll, get a full tackle or a half tackle for that Tyreek Hill tackle before halftime of the year? Uh, would you AFC say, like, the ESPN game? box score would be official or no? It would not. Uh... Yeah, I think all those stats populate from the same official score. Yeah, gotcha. so it would be official. Gotcha. But, um, I mean, it's all here, man. Like, you want to have a good time, man? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you, hey, hey, Peter, man. There's a lot going on there, bro. You can bet on. exact number of carries for Joe Mixon. How about that? That pays out. That's like a golf bet right there. It pays pretty eight, well. Eight carries is plus 3,500. I mean, that's... Well, if they're losing... You can't run the ball. You're losing. You're throwing the ball to him. He gets hurt. God, that's This is like betting on Gary Woodland to win the waste management. Look at these odds. The problem is your theory might be really good at eight, and he has nine. You know, yeah. Or your theory might be really good. You pick nine, he has ten. It's just... Is that crazy to put like $500 and just... Try to hit like four or five of them. I'm just kind of spread You're around. Saying like a little spread a like, hundred dollars around. Joe well, I'm Mixon, saying take five hundred. Take five hundred dollars and kind of go roulette. You know, hundred on each, but kind of all over the place. Yeah. So, but oh, all over. I thought you meant like have a theory and then go a hundred dollars on eight carries, a hundred dollars on nine carries, ten, eleven, twelve. You know. Just I would. Long I odds. would be more inclined to go random than do the theory because if your theory is to go well, if your theory is off. And you go all the low single digits, and he has like 10 after the first quarter and a half. You're just fucked, right? Yeah, yep. Like, I like doing roulette. You know, you place, you know, one on, on a two, and then another on like 23, and then, you know, one on 35, and then one on the double zeros, and one on red. You just, and then none of them hit. You're like, shit, I just lost 100 bucks. 500 bucks. Yeah, $500. Roulette, you just more like $5. Somebody on the, on the stream said, uh, check his averages, his total, his carry numbers for the season. Which won't mean anything in this particular game, but always worth checking out. Anyway, mybookie.ag, promo code ham, the number one. We are also brought to you by DraftKings, where we'll make, I mean, we we should make, I want to do it. I've never done an individual game, single game. We've done like a Monday Night Football doubleheader before. 
Uh, my, uh, not my, anything. My team, I'll tell you about it coming up in a moment. At DraftKings promo code HAM, John. DraftKings promo code HAM. I'm also going to get in the uh, big, we've got a bunch of million-dollar game options, the $6 million Super Bowl showdown, a million dollars to first prize. Lowest prize is if you finish in 110,000th place, you still win 25 bucks. Uh, so I'm getting in that game. That's a $15 entry. Keep it rolling. So DraftKings, I mean, here's the deal. Huge cash prizes. It's the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL. And you play free for millions with your first deposit when you use the code HAM at sign up. Your free shot at millions of dollars of prizes. You'll feel the action like never before. It's safe. It's secure. It's reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings app now. Use the code HAM to play for millions. That's right. Code HAM to get a free shot at millions in total prizes with that first deposit. Get it on the action for the super big game. Only at DraftKings. Actually, I think you can say Super Bowl because it's uh, the official fantasy partner of the NFL. Minimal $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. We can check in on my... Uh, you, know, you know who I put on my DraftKings team? His, his name is Preston Summerhays. Oh, he, ASU, baby. He's three over through six holes, but I, I follow his dad on Instagram. Yep. It. My brother told me, it turns out his dad, who is the John Rahm's coach, is Tony, Tony Fino's coach, is obviously his son's coach, who's an ass kicker. Their daughter is also, I think, plays on ASU's women's team. Like yeah. They are a golf. They're like the Belichicks of golf. His brother used to be the head pro at El Macero, and he everyone loved him. But they're Mormons. I think he moved back to Utah. The and dad's now, brother. Uh, the dad's brother, yeah. His yeah. dad's name is, or I mean, the Preston's dad is Boyd Summerhays, I think. Yeah. And his his brother, I think, starts with a B two, maybe Brooke Summerhays, used to be the head pro at El Macero. So like they are Davis, they're a, they're beloved golfing family. But this kid, if you just follow the Summerhays on Instagram, he follows the son a lot. This kid is fucking. I, I saw John Rom saying, yeah. John Rom was like, yeah, I mean, this kid, I played with him like a couple weeks ago. He's eight under through nine holes. Like this kid can play. It was a huge deal, I remember, because I follow Matt Thurman, uh, the ASU golf coach, when this guy committed. Is he a good follow? Uh, he's just a – I've met him, talked to him a few times, DM with him a few times. Just a, Yeah. I'm going to give him a follow. I like a good golf follow. Uh, you should get to see their facility, you know, that kind of thing. So you got – Middlecoff has Spieth, Shoffley, Finau, Homa, Keith Mitchell, straight off the uh, jersey exchange with Josh Allen at the AT&T last week, and uh, Preston Summerhay. So you're in 27th. My squad is Shoffley, Kepka, Scheffler, Homa, Pat Perez, and um, Mito Pereira from Chile, whose headshot is just the nation's flag. And uh, uh, I'm in fifth place currently. What did uh, Pat Perez shoot there? Pat Perez uh, is a two over T103. So not great. Well, I, I listen, I. First place in our game pays 315 bucks. Summer Hayes is three over through six holes, so it could be a long couple days for all Preston. First place has Hovland, Watson, Ustaz, and Homa, Lee, and Wise. Oh, Aaron Wise. Been a while. Yeah, actually, Wise usually does pretty well, I think, on the uh, West Coast swing. Stan- is he Stanford or Oregon? Oregon. Weird place to play golf. Feels like it'd be kind of cold up there. Yeah, I mean, rainy. Joel but, Damon uh, played at Washington. I mean, I but you got you got you know like home course advantage when you play at the uh, 
the Open? <laughs> well, no, well, the Open, but remember the NCAA Championships? Was it last year or the year before? Uh, oh, Band two years Dunes. ago, was it Band of Dunes? Yeah. And it was just like foggy and every ball is running off the green. Yeah. It was insane. It was I remember good. watching that thing on Golf Channel. So, all right, John, uh, our headline today, if you could have dinner with three people. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Would, uh, would Eddie O be on the list? You met him. I did. I did. I said, uh, when I first introduced myself, or we were taking the picture, I'm just a couple tan guys. I don't think he really laughed. Uh, you know, he, his tan is just impeccable. His girlfriend is stunning. Overall, though, Ed was really fucking cool. Just a couple football guys talking football. You immediately got to throw in a couple guys. The thing with a football guy, their web, especially once they get to like 50 or 60 years old, they're going to know a lot of people. So if you can just find one person that you know or, or just have a connection to, I don't know Lane Kiffin, but immediately I go with Lane Kiffin, and then he loosens up, and he knows you're a What do you mean guy. you go with Lane Kiffin? Well, I'm like, I got good family friends. I'm a Fresno State oh, gotcha, guy. Lane, gotcha. Ki- Lane Kiffin used to babysit my cousins. You know, Tim Skipper, and we just start rattling names. And then it just starts the, oh, this guy and his Skipper's dad coaching the NFL. And we're like, yeah, yeah, then coaching USC. And then boom, you recruiting. And then it just. And it always ends with Pat Hill, tough SOB. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you don't mess with those Fresno State Bulldogs. And uh, yeah, it was, it was fucking awesome. He was, I mean, obviously you spend a lot of time talking about Joe Burrow and, uh, you know, he can't get enough of talking about Joe Burrow. I mean, it changed the guy's life. It, it, it really changed the guy's life. Because I was, you know, we're not living, you know, he'd probably be the equivalent to like what we do of like if if Kyle, like it's a, that was a huge story in the SEC, right? Ed Ogeron loses his job. They hire Brian Kelly. Like it's like the NFL down there. But you meet him and you realize like for as shitty as it was, it kind of got weird, right? He, he, he was fired midseason, but he got a coach out the season. Like, it's kind of crazy what happened to him. What he accomplished, though, two years ago, like, that defines his life. He was the head coach of the greatest team in LSU history, and you could argue one of the, if not the greatest team in college football history. And he's been a part of, like, the great USC teams. His He told me, like, when he first became a GA, his first job was the Miami Hurricanes, Jimmy Johnson. He's like, yeah, that my first year there, it was the Catholics versus the convicts game. He's like, you remember that bad boy? And he had like fucked up cutting the film for Jimmy and Jimmy broke in a team meeting, the overhead projector and Ed thought he was going to get fired. And Jimmy like winks at him after in a staff meeting. Like I just wanted to ruffle some feathers in there, get everyone fired up. And he just, he's a great storyteller, <clears throat> but you just realize like this guy, the rest of his life, like, the first thing people are going to want to talk to him about is Joe Burrow and the national championship team. Like, that defines Ed Ogeron. On top of, like, you know, the personality and stuff, but not the low moments or whatever. And you just realize, like, that's pretty fucking awesome. He was the head coach. I mean, statistically, it's Howard, 15-0 with Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Part of what's aging well, too, is sometimes, like, the Texas team. Every once in a while, you know, the Texas USC, that ESPN show will come on about it. It's awesome. I, I get sucked in every time. But you go, you know, this is a great college game, but Vince Young and Matt Leinart didn't become stars, right? Part of his team is like, Joe Burrow took the Bengals to the Super Bowl two years later. It had Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase on it. Like, that team gets better as time goes on. And Clyde. I mean, if Clyde... You he know, loves... He, he said Clyde was the, his, like, second favorite player on the team just because... And you realize, like, I bet he would say, like, of course, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, these are blue-chip wide receivers. Clyde, to him, represents, like, smaller guy, 
he, you know, he took a lot of pride and I'm like, how about Clyde? He's like, oh, three star, you know, like they, <laughs> when you coach at, I think at a high level place, like the, the three stars at Fresno state are celebrated, but at LSU, when you think if you sit in the team meeting, the majority of guys are four and five stars, right? If you are a three star, you do stand out. Yeah. And the heart, I mean, I think, I don't think Joe Burrow was a four star. I think he was a three star too. Joe was a three star. I don't know what he was as a transfer. He you didn't know, go to I Ohio saw State. somebody make the point this week is like, yeah, there's some three stars that turn into five stars, but by and large, the championship teams are made up of the best players you can recruit. Like for the most part, you know, like for the most part, the five star guys are the first rounders and the five star guys are the best players in college and then in the NFL. There's exceptions to those rules, but I think it's, I mean, just put all the pieces of it together. Won the championship. Somebody else didn't like had to go through Alabama because of the league they're in, right? Beat and also that year they beat, they got to beat them at Bryant Denny Stadium. It's just, I mean, that to me when when we talked a little bit about that game or just that season, I mean, I would imagine that's the highlight of his life. I mean, win the national championship was special, but it was kind of felt like a foregone conclusion by the time they got to that game. Beating Nick Saban against think about Nick's team that year was healthy Tua with all four wide receivers. All four of them. <laughs> he didn't just have two of them like Mac. He had all fucking four of them that all got drafted in the top 15 and Najee. And Ed beat the shit out of them. It's like, yeah, we just bombing away. you know. <laughs> and they were, because I remember going over to Brian Hawkins' house because that was, that was probably one of the more anticipated games in years. Because it was clear, like, LSU is their equal this year. But it's like, okay, this thing's going to be tight. Can is, can Ed, how's Ed going to outcoach him? And they blew them fucking out of the water. They think, remember, Tua kind of came back, but it was not. It was like a fake comeback. Beat Nick Saban at Alabama in the peak of his dynasty. On that, his way to a national championship. To me, you can't. You just, you you can't override that. You know? And I think it actually, in hindsight, is weird. I I wouldn't have thought this during the year, but the fact that he got fired, kept coaching, and then like won a couple games that nobody thought they'd win this year. You know, the year he got fired. I think he he beat Texas A&M the last year. It was like, they hate playing for him. It's like, well, I watch him. They compete. (laughs) You know? I think that kind of helped. I kind of helped it a little bit. Um, But you're right. He's just an alpha. You know, he truly is. Now... Schematically, is he Saban or Lincoln Riley? Of course not. But there is, like, he is walking the room and he's he owns the room. And part of it is like his mystique has obviously grown and what he's become. Yeah, and his personality, right? It's just everyone wants to. You want to hear Ed Ogeron talk? I guess yeah. a four, Joe Burrow was a four star. You want to hear, which is you know not exactly the world didn't believe in. But his offers were Boston College, Central Michigan, Cincinnati, East Carolina, and Ohio State, which is kind of weird. So does he does he say go Tigers when he walks away? No, he did. <laughs> he needs a new catchphrase when he leaves a room now. Yeah. Uh, go Tigers uh, is such a good one. Yeah, I'm rich. <laughs> yeah, like, well, uh, Google uh, Google my contract. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Bank of America. <laughs> or like uh, my girlfriend's calling. <laughs> she was. She walked in. I said, "Holy moly, Brandy from Nashville, who's employed? Who's employed?" I was told. Oh, okay. He is. He is uh, he, he he was that, that was a cool figure. I was I'm very felt like honored to have met the guy and just got a chance to like legitimately one on one. There were other people there too. I mean, it was like four or five people, but like kind of lead the conversation with him and about what's cool about him for us is like he was a major part of 
a team that obviously they were a huge national team, but the biggest college team of our lifetime out West was he played a major role with Pete Carroll and Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart. And it was like, you also see when his eyes open, obviously about Joe Burrow, but I was like, Ed, I think Reggie Bush is the best player I've ever seen play college football. And it, he was right there. And he's like, I agree. You know, it's like he values. And, and obviously Ed is a five-star big time recruiter. How good Reggie Bush was. And he saw it and he, he agreed and how dominant he was and telling stories about Colin's special teams plays for Reggie. Like, I just, I just say return right. And Reggie would just fucking take it to the house. I mean, since 1998, Ed Ogeron does not coach at places where people don't care about football. USC, Ole Miss, the New Orleans Saints in 2008, D-line coach. Tennessee 09. With Lane. And then uh, back, back to USC. Yeah. And then LSU. Like his next job is not like the Clay Helton head coaching job. Whatever well, the, that the other thing I said is he the last time I kind of saw him as he was walking out, one I'm like, what you drinking? And I maybe I had known he was doesn't drink anymore, but it wasn't really. He had a you know he had dark. It looked like I would have guessed like diet and whiskey. And he winks. He goes, twenty two years sober, brother. And he just keeps on walking. But I said, you know, I'm, I, I live in the Bay Area, Patrick Willis. And he goes, P. Willie. <laughs> Because he coached Patrick Willis at Ole Miss. Yeah. I mean, his him. list of like incredible guys you want to hear stories about is long. You probably 22, could have gone all night. 22 years sober. <laughs> so, <laughs> he just doesn't need it. You know? 22 years sober, brother. <laughs> I mean, if you had that level of energy, gave off that level of glow, which he does, it seems like, you know, I've never met him. But man, he just, he seems like he just fucking Do you remember? Radiates. How like legitimately distraught might have been too strong, but I mean that him not getting the USC job was a pretty big deal. Yeah, he because he thought he had earned it. Didn't they? They just go with Clay Helton over him. Was that what they did? Or no, they hired Sark. Sark. They hired Sark. Yeah. He would have been. He would have been much better than Clay Helton. Here's that's what I know. It would not. And honestly, what I mean, Sark didn't last two years. You could argue that LSU potentially they might have had some high highs because he would have recruited at such a high level at USC, don't you think? Yeah, and competed. I mean, you know, they went six, it was the six right- last year, this year, this past season, at LSU. Yeah, they and they bad. went five and five the year before that. So they went eleven and eleven in the two years combined. But twenty twenty is kind of. Yeah. I mean five and fives. Eleven and eleven after going twenty-five and three in the previous two years. But I mean he went like he goes to LSU. I mean, he takes over LSU. They go nine and four, ten and three, fifteen and oh. And it's not like Joe Burrow was there when he got there. Like he got Joe Burrow to come to LSU, right? Give me those three give me the two records before fifteen and oh. Uh nine and four, ten and three. So he won a bowl game and lost a bowl game. That seems kind of crazy that he won all those games and then won the Natty, and then two years he's out. Shows you the SEC is a lot like the NFL. There, there is just would that happen at a program out west? You think you'd get a little bit longer of a leash if you won it? Went fifteen and zero, won a national championship. If you won a national championship at USC, I think it would be pretty hard non-scandal to get fired two years later. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Although I also think 
I mean, we just saw Gene Chizik at Auburn had a similar situation. But my, right? my point in the SEC, uh, no, in the SEC it happens. But I oh think, yeah, I'm saying like at the in the Pac-12, I don't in the Big Ten, I don't think that would happen. I think the SEC is his only animal. Part of it is the buyouts are right. He's getting like twenty million bucks to go away. A lot of cash, you know. <laughs> a lot of cash. So that's one thing, one thing, he didn't say this, but a guy around him, and it's just a natural reaction. You know, there are a lot of people in that program, separate from the coaches, you know, just longtime assistant strength coach, longtime, you know, secretaries, longtime uh, uh, equipment type people. Brian Kelly's the type of guy that when he gets there, he fires every fucking single person moving. Like some of these people were like there before Nick, right? They're just staples in the LSU program. Like I, I do think Brian Kelly, and it might be good, but... He's the type of guy that walks in and literally everyone's fired. There's like well, you hey, have to we- be yeah, to me. You burn bridges immediately. You better be good, right? And that's you're right. That's probably what he's doing. He doesn't burn bridges. He fucking he he puts uh, grenades and uh, bombs all over him. And before he even walks in, he presses the button. There's yeah, no he- like, can we set up a meeting with you, Coach Kelly? It's like you are removed from the building. Leave. <laughs> he doesn't put all the pieces aside for uh, putting them back together like uh, Amazon gonna, does in Denmark. It's going to be interesting to watch. Now, he might be so good, uh, it, it might not matter. But, you know, I, I do think, I, I wonder what the reaction, like Ed was truly one of them, right? And this guy's coming in. You're right. You better win. And, and nine, nine and three ain't getting it done. Not, he can't go nine and four three straight years and everyone's cool, right? Because you're going nine and four. That means you're losing some big SEC games probably. Well, I mean, uh, Auburn went six and seven. And they're trying to fire Brian Harson. Somebody wrote he six just got back. Pretty bad. They started six and two. They lost last year one. Games. I'm just saying, like, and I saw somebody make this point. You don't get fired. You don't get fired for uh, an alleged affair with an assistant. Like you get fired because you're not coaching well enough, and that's a re- and then they find reasons. Yeah, you know, because there was a story today. Like the leaks are coming. There was a story today that he was gonna get fired at Arkansas State. You see it's that story? Re- it's it's relentless. If he hadn't right taken now. the Boise job, it's like there's a little fire and they just keep throwing some gasoline on it. It is just that's non- not true, is it? Stop. Wasn't he only there one year? Seems crazy. One, uh, yeah, I thought he was one and done. I don't know. I'm just. But is Eddie O getting that job? Eddie O definitely didn't say he was never coaching again. I, it feels like he still got the fire. You know. I mean, twenty mil. You can do to me twenty mil on one hand. You can just walk away and hang. But on the other hand, you can just if you've got twenty mil coming to you the next four years from LSU, you can take if you want to just take whatever job and just cut it loose. You're not beholden to anybody. You're going to do it your way, right? I would, what I could see him doing is being like an assistant head coach at just an just like why wouldn't Mario be like, hey, you want to come, you know, be my recruiting coordinator and defensive line coach? I'll pay you one point eight million dollars a year or something, and we'll just fucking get the Best players in the country. Let's do you something know, like that. Harbaugh might be able to use him. Harbaugh could use him. I could, could you see Ed O coaching in Michigan, like take over when he leaves? Just that. <laughs> oh yeah, it's true. <laughs> Having Eddie O in the building means you might get replaced, and it's happened twice. But if you just said of like all the people that I could have randomly met, you know, there are you know Coach K's or Sabins or whatever, like more famous. The conversation it would not have been as cool. It's just he's he's up there on the coolness factor. I, I well, did you see Joey Molinaro did a thing the other day about meeting Saban? And Saban barely even said anything to him. Saban's right? like, I right. <laughs> and then like walked away. 
uh like ed is probably so much more willing to just share the stories yeah. you know he's a storyteller he's a different person it means just people are different and nick don't get me wrong i mean nick would be you know but i don't, I don't David, think it- eddie o and hitler at the dinner like oh man <laughs> talking about military strategy it's I don't know if Jonathan Allen got the. Do you think Nick updated him on his American or world history? I, I don't know. It's just because he's a tactician. When I saw that tweet, I was like, "Oh, here we go." What was his name? Jonathan. Jonathan. Here we go, baby. New to the internet. Let's let this one. I saw no one. Fired up. No wonder Deron Payne fucking wanted to kick his ass. I just loved that tweet because it was like, "Here's a guy about to try and tell people." I can separate what he did from his genius. It's like, good luck with that, dude. I can only imagine. Yeah. Like, is he a good dinner guest? What are you talking about? That was a quick delete. You should easily, you should definitely take Eddie O over. Put him on your list. I, I love a quick delete. And then it's like, I, I, I deleted. Now he didn't do this, but I saw someone else do this. They deleted. Like I didn't delete because I didn't, the message wasn't necessarily wrong. It was just because there was, it's too hard to write in context with 240 characters. It's just not worth it. Yeah. I, I see my tweets being misinterpreted by you idiots. And so I'm taking it down. It's like, Oh fuck. How about just stop tweeting? Eddie. Oh man. <laughs> I'm all, my only disappointment for that photo is that his shirt was on. I, I do think one position that it just creates a unique human and I, you know, in my experience, being around Jim Washburn for a couple of years with with the Eagles, seeing his protege now, uh, Chris Kasurik with the Niners, you know, Eddie at his core and his heart is a defensive lineman. He played defensive line. That's how he became a position coach, defensive line coach. They're just a special breed. <laughs> they really, they're just you kind of want them be in the foxhole with that guy. They're just kind of crazy, you know, and all football coaches in general, like Mike McDaniel is probably kind of crazy, right? But, you know, they're just different breeds, like offensive guys tend to be a little different than defensive guys. I think the defensive line coaches, like, I think Parcells got his kind of start as like pass rushers, linebacker coach, you know, like front seven guys. Like if you gravitate toward the front seven, like the cerebral guys are always like Sean McDermott learned coverages from Jim Johnson. You know, like they're just thinkers. The front guys are just like, we're going to fucking beat the shit out of you. You know, well, like Parcells, Eddie O, even like Jimmy Johnson always kind of felt like he's smart as a fox, but that guy feels like he just likes being in the trenches with the boys. You know, I think D line coach number one, like if we did our ranks on different dude rank position coach ranks, because when you think about it, I mean, defensive line is the ground troops, right, of the attack. They're, they're the first ones in. Yeah. They're doing the hand-to-hand combat. Hand is in the dirt. Hand is it. They are. People are falling all around them, right? Uh, to me, you get offensive line is you is probably similar, but it's just a different – protecting is a different mindset than attacking. It, that's it's actually a little team, more cerebral. Yeah. That's where run teams, though, like that's an attacking mindset from a, run, a run-based a run offensive line, right? Yeah. Road graders. But defensive line, like that is about attack. It's about decapitation. Like it's about injury. It's about – Double, triple team, you cannot be denied, right? Yeah, you're going to be outnumbered. Yeah. You don't really seek. I don't know how do these guys ever see where anything's happening? Like, where's the ball? Who has the ball? It's just about get from here to there. They're protecting, like, 
the offensive line is protecting their most prized possession. You're trying to get through them to the diamond that's sitting back there. Yeah. Right. You're told the offensive to line you're told is like five brothers. Stay away from my sister. It's like, yeah, we're getting there. You're get told off. to go hunt and come back with dinner. You know? Yeah. I'd put, I mean, you know, I spe- special teams coaches to me are special, special place in my heart. I, I think they're a unique. I d- they're very different than D-line coaches, but nuts in their own way. You're crazy. A lot- they're, they're only children who have to entertain themselves in their room all day and come up with some crazy ideas. One thing with D-line, it really is the one group where you never hear anyone get offended at the meanest shit said to them. It's like everything's allowed. <laughs> you know, it is just a group of like, you're just ready for it. Like, I think offensive line, sometimes they argue like, no, actually, coach, we ran the wrong protection here. Like they get in intellectual arguments while they're MFing each other. I think D-line is just a lot of screaming at each other just based on like, get it fucking done, god damn it. That's a great point. <laughs> you know you know what? And the theory I just developed hearing you say that is like the difference is O-linemen generally, there's no rotation on the offensive line. Like if you're the starting left tackle, you know they are not replacing you. Like, you're not telling me to get out of this drill. Like, you need me. D-line, 97, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Middle cough, go get him. Send the next wave. (laughs) They go, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're just one. They're controlled. (laughs) Yeah. And even the best players, I'd have to check Donald's snap count. It doesn't feel like he comes out very often. But even, like, Khalil's and the Bosa's, like, you do get rotated, right? Yeah, because they they also want you to peak in hunting season in the in the second half is when you're truly chasing. Yeah, time to hunt. Third down, pass situations. Yeah. You just you just no excuse, coach. I I got double teamed and they took out my feet with the running backs. Like, I don't give a shit. Step over them, split the DT, and fucking use your leverage. <laughs> I mean, hand to hand combat. Me, they hit me from the side. They brought the guard. <laughs> it's like. It is. Think how hard that position is at the NFL level. I, I actually talking about it. Don't think defensive linemen get enough respect. Absolutely not. <laughs> a D tackle, you're in the middle of it all. Think no glory. <laughs> a D tackle, you're in the middle of it all. You got bodies coming everywhere. You're naturally rushing. I would say when you get to rush on one guy, it's a huge win. Most time, you're running into at least two offensive linemen. At least like Bosa. You know, if there's no tight end or back to that side, it's like just mono a mono. But if I'm like the D tackle over the guard, well, what if the center wants to come help? You know, what if the running back fucking swings by? It's just a lot of action. You can't you can't see anything because you just see helmets and shit in front of you. It's like use your instincts. It's like fucking coach. There's just fucking colors everywhere. I don't even know what's going on. Well, look at this. I saw this photo today, and I'd forgotten to. Uh, for those of you uh, listening to the podcast, if you're watching the YouTube, hit that like button, subscribe. If you're listening to the podcast, the mailbag is making a return soon. So five stars. But uh, I saw this photo today on from USC football, and I knew you'd get a kick out of this. So Anthony Munoz, Munoz goes to USC football practice. Check. Oops. Hold on one second here. Let's check out his left pinky, John. We can uh, zoom in here. Oh, on my God. Where's that aiming guy? Uh... That is back and to the left. Do you think that's aiming toward like uh, Compton or the Orange County? That's yeah, that's aiming towards the end zone. <laughs> By the way, nothing like like hey hey uh, coach uh, Anthony, you want to come out? Sure. Let me just throw on my Hall of Fame polo that I earned. I did not buy that at Canton. Is there a chance too? Like you, we're making fun of him for the Hall of Fame. He just grabbed the first. Oh, I'm polo not making fun. Saw. No, I know. I'm just, but I'm just saying like. 
is there any doubt in your mind? It's like he had to go to practice today. He opens his closet, just grabs you know a black polo that he sees, and it's just the Hall of Fame polo. I'd have like seven of them. That's all I'd wear anywhere. <laughs> hey, aren't you? Yes, I am. <laughs> you goddamn right. Would it's you me, would, Anthony Munoz, Hall of Famer? I, I would never, ever in a million years step on a first tee without that polo on. I would never play golf, and not whether he might not be able to play golf with that finger, but. If he plays golf, but he can. Every single round would be in that thing. Now it's pretty clear. Just I would imagine when you just meet a guy like Anthony Munoz, you go, "How many humans do you meet that are bigger than that guy?" He, I walked by him at the Super Bowl a couple years ago at Miami. He's fucking huge. He, I mean, don't you think he still looks fantastic for a guy like in his mid sixties? Oh, he looks incredible. Look at that guy. He looks incredible. <laughs> Jesus, that that guy in the back right. For those of you listening, you can't see. That's a guy, like I talked about, like Brian Kelly firing. I've been seeing pictures of that guy for years, haven't you? Um, Is that, am I wrong? No, I, you might be I don't know. I don't recognize him. He doesn't jog a memory, but... Munoz has fantastic hair. Great. I mean, his jog, just good smile. Just looks happy. You know what I think, too, looking at him, He just looks really happy to just be out there on the practice field, doesn't he? Was he the... He must have been the starting tackle for those sweet Bengals teams, I would guess, right? Yeah. Nine-time first-team All-Pro. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, he was 1980 to 92, and they went to multiple Super Bowls during that time. Who Emiliano on the stream says, wonder what his PFF grade would have been. Yeah, I mean, you would probably say he was the best player on the Bengals for a decade, right? Look at his hair. He went to multiple Super Bowls, and their best player was their left tackle. Man. He was a third, he was a third pick in the draft. Out of? US the Trojans? He's Which from I Cal- learned he's from he's from Southern California. We had a uh, you know we did a little trivia question the other day. I didn't know the answer necessarily. The QBs who have um, who major college football quarterbacks who went on to coach in the Super Bowl. We had Zach Taylor. You added Bruce Arians from Virginia Tech. Zach Taylor from Nebraska. Jim Harbaugh from Michigan. Somebody in the stream said Tony Dungy from Minnesota. A couple guys to add: John Gary Kubiak from Texas A and M. Good one. He was in the '83 draft, like the famous '83. Elway, Marino, Kelly, Elway, Marino, uh, uh, Ken O'Brien, UC Davis, Todd Blackledge, and uh, a guy named Tony East now Illinois. But Mike Holmgren, USC quarterback. I somebody tweeted at me. Did not know it, or had forgotten it. Maybe I don't think we give Munoz's football life. Just I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. Eleven-time Pro Bowler, eleven All Pros. Guy in 1991, he was the NFL's man of the year. He played in 1978. The Trojans they won the national championship. I would imagine he was probably one of their best players on that team. He so he's a national championship in college. He goes to the Bengals. They go to multiple Super Bowls. He's an all-decade player. He's a top 75 anniversary guy. He's on all these anniversary teams. He literally accomplished everything except winning the Super Bowl. And he was there multiple times. And he just happened to face Walsh in Montana. <laughs> Like his football life was beside a Super Bowl, which and both times I'm pretty sure they were right there to win, right? I mean, both those Super Bowls were, were Montana's historic, you know, final plays. Munoz, I, I, we may we it's a running joke on here, just his name, but I think he des- he deserves to get mentioned a lot more than he actually does. I'm glad we keep Anthony Munoz's name alive. <laughs> People, anytime an offensive lineman situation comes up, 
Uh, it's about Anthony Munoz and maybe situations even when it doesn't. And I do think if you play in the Super Bowl twice and don't win a Super Bowl, that's very different than having than not winning a Super Bowl. I don't know if it feels that way for the individual who didn't get to win, but I do view, you know, like you view Jim Kelly differently, right? Than if he had just been a guy who never played in the Super Bowl. For sure. One, 100%. Like I, yeah. Those Bengals teams, you know, probably need to give them a little more respect back in the 80s. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, I'd Boomer was the MVP. John Lynch's friend, Boomer Esiason, the MVP. I was reading an Al Michaels story today. I guess Boomer and uh, who did Boomer not jibe with? Maybe it was Al? Yeah, I think it was. Remember, Al got him fired. <laughs> <laughs> I, li- I think Boomer's fantastic. There was a time in my life, probably, I don't know, four or five years ago, where I was watching uh, Boomer and Carton in the morning like every day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when we were on radio, I remember. I, Maybe that's I when it was. Maybe it was more than five years ago. Yeah, because Carton went to prison between then, remember? Yeah, I, I do remember. But I remember just, that being a big deal because I watched them, so I felt kind of knew the guy for being yeah. a West Coast guy, and then he got arrested. And remember that morning, Boomer's like, we got some bad news. Craig Carton has been... I remember we were doing a radio show when he got arrested. And then Carton now does like reads for uh, you know all the sports books. <laughs> you know, it's just... He was born like five years too early. Did you watch that uh, HBO show on him? Uh, no. Documentary is not terrible. Him, really? I mean, he, him, like going to all night benders at, at uh, Atlantic City, and then just driving straight to do the show at six a.m. Wow. Yeah, he served some prison time. And how far is Atlantic City? Like, is that forty-five minutes or what's? The yeah, deal I mean, I, I couldn't tell you from New York. I know from Philadelphia, it was like hour and twenty minutes or something. It, it, but it's it's shitty. It's like run down. It's weird. It's a bizarre oh. place. But they got casinos. <laughs> the the story on Michaels is that he's going to like allegedly he might be getting forced out to go to Amazon with Aikman. Is this an? It is an NBC Super Bowl. So Collinsworth is calling the Super Bowl. That's right. I did see people talking about so that. Al gets to do the Super Bowl in his backyard. Al gets to do Super Bowl in his backyard. Collinsworth gets to do the Bengals. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's very cool. You see Andy Reid's talking to John Madden's uh, deal in Oakland. Uh, yeah, speakers. Yeah, Ron, Ron Rivera, Mooch, Andy. Uh, there's going to be music. I'm not sure by who, but Madden's kids. What do we know when it is? Did you see a date on that? The 14th. So would that be Sunday? No, they wouldn't do it on Super Bowl Sunday. That's oh, that's Valentine's Day. That's Monday. Monday. They would not put John Madden's. Is it like uh, free to attend? What I mean is, I mean, like, is it open to everybody? Or is it like a private event? I think it's at Oracle. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. Oh, Oracle. I thought it was at. It's not at the Coliseum. Is it? Maybe I don't know. I didn't. I just. I just saw the deal. It's at mm. one of the two of them. I, yeah. I, I thought it's a public event. Okay, it makes sense. Probably, Does, I would imagine. No like reason not to do it at the Coliseum. Don't you think there'll be a lot of people there? Yeah. You want to go? What time is it? It's Valentine's Day. Do you know what time it is? Uh, I. It's a good question. I would guess. Uh, Ali on the stream says tickets are on sale. Oh, you got to pay? They're probably to charity or something. They haven't turned the lights on at the Coliseum in a while. <laughs> Universal DH. Universal DH. No! That, 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 be honest, that bothers you a little. It does. It does. I mean, but you know why it bothers me? Huh? 
I knew it would bother you. Yeah, but it doesn't bother me in like an I'm angry way. It bothers me because uh, two reasons. One, it's just I, I, it's 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 hard to logically argue for pitchers hitting. Let me start with that. I get that. I do. I totally get that. I'm not going to make a logical argument. You make the argument. I make the counterpoint. You're getting the point in the debate. I think. How are they? How are they agreeing to all this stuff when there's no sport going on? What's I think it might on? just be that baseball is saying like we're changing the rules. Maybe I don't because uh, maybe the players want. I don't know. It's a good question. Um, but I do think the dip, two things. One, DH slows the game down first and foremost. <laughs> DH slows the game down because a pitcher is an easy out, which is a great argument to not have it. Um, but two, I think the difference between a, a DH gives us what the other eight guys give us. The pitcher hitting gives us something that you just every once in a while to me it's a no lose in that it, it only takes 35 seconds if it fails and if it succeeds it's just you get to see something different in that moment that you don't usually see and it's always a fun thing like everyone's always smiling and laughing about it like oh look at this idiot trying to hit but again bum, you would bum garner swinging for the fences bum garner brandon webb whoever and you know what the reality is that bum garner probably will still get an a b and we'll still have you know whatever uh, whatever. I, I don't fight as much because I know I can't make a logical argument other than it gave us something that was just unique. It didn't hurt anything. Like it didn't take any more effort to have the pitchers hit. A couple guys got injured over the years. It did literally hurt a few people. That's true. But not many. It, if I was going to argue over something, I, I'm glad they did it just because I love how kind of I know it makes people mad. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, no, like I understand. Keith, I saw Keith Olbermann freaking out. Like it just it, it, it's Bob Costas is hot right now. I can't imagine Dog doing, you know, 30 minutes on it right now on his radio Head show. to head with uh, Stephen A. once a week? Well, actually, when I was driving back from the airport today, I clicked it on, and he's, he's there with Barry Sanders, and he's just shitting on the Lions. He's like, you know, the Lions, they fucked you. Up. You just get the Lions. And Barry goes, you're taking a lot of shots at the Lions. <laughs> you know? And he's like, oh, you know, it's my, that's my fault. I probably need to be a little nicer. And Barry's like, no, you're entitled to your opinion. Dog <laughs> was a beauty. He's like, you know, in my lifetime, it's it's Jim Brown, you, Walter Payton. No offense to Emmett. No offense to this guy and this guy. He's like, you? You know, just, he's just so, and Barry, you know, is just like, yeah, it's, you know, it's just very even keel. And Dog's freaking out. Barry's like his AJ Hawk. There is, you know, to quote Jonathan Allen, a tactical element to managers a game that you know that I loved with Bruce Bochy could have a huge advantage when you're pitch hitting for the pitcher oh, and utilizing that spot. Yep. So you lo- you lose that, which on a random Wednesday, you know, in uh, you know June, okay, but it it does make the playoffs pretty fascinating and is a huge advantage for a good manager. Now, I think you know Farhans or the world will tell you like shit. I'll just I'll be in charge of everything. <laughs> Yeah. But still, it's still, I mean, look, the Dodgers were, the Dodgers are an analytic team and the moments where they did or didn't hit for a pitcher were a big deal in the postseason over the years. Like Dave Roberts decisions in those moments as a team that makes analytically based decisions is a big deal. So I, I, I think it removes an element for the managers that gives us a chance to kind of, when it's hard, it gets harder and harder and harder to tell who's better than who. <laughs> I, I think it's a bad decision, but I also I get it. I get it. What if it announced the question seven, is the seven, inning game, seven inning games? What at this point? <laughs> I, the real question is, what would you actually think if you weren't in it just for the uh, for the spite? I, I truly don't care. And, and from a big picture economic standpoint, I do think it helps guys get jobs. Like it, it just the guy you know gives. But do we need? Do are there too many good hitters? Well, we're about to find out. I mean, I think we know the answer to that. 
Well, are they trying to bring the long ball back? No more drug testing, potentially. Well, we already have. The long ball has been back. Well, now you let guys do the juice and all look like Eddie O. I mean, we could see, I tweeted this tongue-in-cheek a little bit, get ready for a first guy at 90 home runs that bats 160. Like, because that's coming. If they truly allow steroids back, there would be a guy that hits 75 home runs and bats 120. I thought the story was just... The current CBA expired. So no, it, it is. Now. But I'm, ho- okay. I'm hoping it doesn't come back. So they're just like, no drug testing. And then guys look like Bonds and McGuire again. And at least those guys, especially Barry, was batting like 400. There would be a guy. You, were, you would agree with this. If steroids were legal and they got big again, a guy would hit like 68 home runs and bat 115. Would he not? And that bat guy would 115. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, or, I mean, might, you know, yeah. might be 168 or something, but it yeah, would yeah. be. Even McGuire and Sosa. I mean, those guys because hit Barry like at the end of the day, Barry was an elite hitter, right? I mean, guy, they got guys right now hitting forty-five home runs, batting two ten, and they're cool with it. If we talked about Barry the way we talk about golfers, we'd say Barry was an elite hitter of the baseball. He's an elite striker of the golf ball. He's an elite hitter of the baseball, right? Like Barry could hit no home runs and still just wreak havoc because he, he just he was great. He was a great hitter. Wasn't he like? I mean, he was like BFS with Tony Gwynn because they love talking hitting, right? I, mean, I remember those guys had a good relationship because Barry was very, very cerebral about the this the just the swing, right? Yeah. And the baseball swing, I think, can be a little bit like the golf swing, where if you get to like a guy deep into it, they could fucking talk about it for like Tony Gwynn. And they're messing with it all the time. I don't all think all the time. Quarterbacks are not changing their motion every like six weeks, you know? No. I mean, when's the last time you think Aaron Rodgers even thought about that? Speaking about steroids, you see Bry- Bry- Bryson's WD in from like every turn. He's falling apart. It's all over the place, man. You just get injured, you know? Could be all she wrote. You, so you, that, you take that 135 real quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Saudis are like, oh, man. It's like investing in a pitcher that oh, but beats here, Tommy John Here's the thing. You take, you take that 135, there's no like, I can't play this week for injuries. Like, yeah, we don't roll like that, buddy. You play. <laughs> it's like uh, Bryson, whose cell phone uh, has gone off. <laughs> you play or you die. Uh, uh, James Harden, John, traded to the Sixers today, which is a win trade for the Sixers because the guy they traded doesn't play for them, <laughs> Ben Simmons. We're not we're, we got the Super Bowl and some minor Tom Brady stuff to get through, <laughs> so we're not going to spend much time on this. But uh, blockbuster trade. It turned out I had to check the standings between like a eighth place team and a fourth place team. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy what Kevin Durant went from and what Kevin Durant went to. I was. Uh... You know, just the trade happens. I get in my car, Oakland Airport. I'm like, I'm just going to go to NBA radio, right? Because it's like, they're going to be talking about it. All the other radio stations, you know, it's like Barry Sanders, Poppin' Lundhead on fucking, you know, Carmen Policy. It's Everyone's just talking to Super Bowl. Did they really have Carmen Policy? No, I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know. Everyone's just talking to Super Bowl people. Anthony Munoz. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Anthony Munoz. So I go to NBA radio, and they're literally breaking it down real time. Howard Beck said, I know on good authority... James Harden, because it kind of feels like, did he try to just get to Philly this whole time and use these guys? He claimed that James would have been cool being there, but the moment Kyrie refused to get the vaccine and the rule doesn't allow him to play at home, he's turned on Kyrie, hates Kyrie, and wants to get away from Kyrie. So that's why he's been... Actually, did you see the story that he refused to demand a trade because he didn't want to get it out there that he was demanding a trade? He didn't want to look, but he wanted to get traded, but he just refused to, like really pound the table and let it be out there that he was demanding a trade. It's like, what the fuck are we doing? What, what I had an NFL buddy send me a text 
Like, can you imagine being the GM around fucking Kyrie Irving and James Harden and Kevin Durant? Like, how hard, like, the difference in football and even the drama you have to deal with relative to what you have to deal with in that sport. It's, John, it's, James it's Harden, shark. James Harden today picked up his $47 million option. Just so he can get to his next four-year, two hundred and what is it going to be like, sixty million dollar max contract? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw, Bu- I was like, Buker, you put this out there, people are going to attack you on social media just because, like, it's social media is very pro-player empowerment, and he's like, I'm all for quote-unquote player empowerment, but this has gotten ridiculous. The guy is second time in a calendar year quit on a team, like it's. We grew up loving the NBA. Michael Jordan, fucking NBA was sweet. It's always had a couple weird cats, which are which are healthy for your sport. It has gotten to me kind of crazy. Like this is this is outrageous. Well, the regular season has just become so irrelevant. Unfortunately, as someone who, but I know. mean, I mean more with this, even just beside the game. Yeah, I mean, like, think about just like demanding your trades nonstop. Well, the play, the quote unquote player empowerment. When LeBron took his talents to South Beach, like guess what happened. They became the super team they said they were going to be and won a championship. But he was a free agent. No, I understand. But I'm just saying, like, now LeBron's the team's never been that, traded. Now the teams that players, but like LeBron's team right now is, you know, in danger of missing the playoffs. The Nets were an eight seed in eighth place in the East when they made this trade. My but point Kyrie, being, Kyrie's like, it MIA, work. Kevin's it hurt. Like if James, James quit. <laughs> like they're bad GMs. No, no. But to me, they're, they're losing because none of these guys are playing, and and James has been faking a hamstring because Kevin's hurt and Kyrie's not playing, and he's like tired. Like I don't want to do this by myself. Which is crazy because to me, he should just go out and I like out of spite, just average fifteen assists and never shoot. I know he could do crazy shit, but he's just these guys are crazy. They're just at any moment you can just well, say you like, just. I want to go, and they yeah, just man, go. I, you start. You uh, like I, I was talking to somebody today. I'm like, you know, uh, Daryl Morey is not James Harden's boss. James Harden makes forty seven million dollars. Anybody anywhere who makes forty seven million dollars, they're the boss of whatever it is that they're doing. You're the boss. I'm the boss, right? Why does he love? Like, we can Morey so we much? can say that that Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell's different. Like the owners are his boss, but at the end of the day, you make fifty million dollars. You get to do some things that you want to do. You just act a certain way. It's just, it's inevitable for everybody. You're saying James Harden? Oh, yeah. I'm just saying if you make $47 million by contract, whether you play the game or not, it's going to be really hard for me to tell you what to do. Well, 100%. But there also is like Steph Curry makes $40 million and just acts normal. Dame Lillard makes $40 million and acts normal. Giannis makes $40 million and just acts normal. Like, I. You know, I I do think there is just you know James is kind of a lower level kind of I I do believe this. Like I, I tweeted this out and got a lot of reaction to the like Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is not overrated. We're all in agreement. He's a stat stuffing losing player that every great player that's played with him over the last like seven eight years can't run away fast enough for some reason. I don't know what LeBron was doing. Wasn't watching League Pass or something. Traded for him. That's crazy. But they clearly well, he thought he was getting. The, he's like twelve assists a game. Hell yeah! Yeah, give they, me that guy. It's like, well, he here's what else it comes with. They clearly regret it and they can't trade him. But these other guys, like James Harden, to me is the I, I think one of the most overrated players in my lifetime. And I got a lot of like Derek Jeter and Eli Manning. I've seen these guys in the biggest moments do the biggest things. Like, James has shit the bed several times in big spots. He's a pain in the ass. 
I think a lot of his stats, you know, I, I'm not saying he's not a very talented player, but oh my God, no one gives a fuck about you scoring 45 points against Sacramento on like uh, January 7th. And that's kind of, he's made his career. And Daryl Morey is like his, you know, like Mayoko in the Hall of Fame room pounding the table for Patrick Willis. Like that's Morey's just one guy. Like, he's the greatest offensive guy. Ever. Jerry West, Michael Jordan, the stats say, well, and he it, just uh, says all these crazy things. Yeah, and I think I, he believes it. I think it's hard to, I think it's hard to talk about players. He, I've seen James Harden in person. You've seen James Harden in person. He's one of the greatest players I've ever seen in my life. I think, right? From a what is he able to do on a basketball court standpoint. But part of being overrated can be you that you can be talented and be overrated. Totally. I mean, it's it's ultimately what are we trying to sucks. do? We're trying to win. We're trying to win championships. Isn't that he, the point of this whole thing? Yeah. Well, and that's why I don't want to hear it about Eli. I don't want to hear it about Derek Jeter. But like you agree in with me in this sense, I've seen him in person. He's terrifying to have on the other team. That was also like eight years ago. That was once upon a time. Now it's like, yeah, I'd rather play his team because I know he's not a winning player in the end. But I mean, they almost did it until Chris Paul got hurt with the Rockets. They almost but that's pulled part it of it. Like there, there's a lot of people I, in the history of almost. Like for whatever reason, totally, Eli wasn't almost. Eli just did it. You know, Steph's not an almost. Giannis isn't an almost. Like why is it always an almost with some of these guys? And him specifically now, all these other things on his resume, like. What the fuck is this guy's deal? Like, what is his deal? What is his deal? Like, we, we know Kevin's deal, I right? Think, he's just kind of a lost soul. Kyrie is just a weird cat. This guy is, you know, just just a weird dude. I, I don't even know. How do you even describe him? Yeah, I don't know. Like you said, he's just so rich. He doesn't. He just doesn't really give a fuck. But he, and he's still good enough. Or maybe there's just this one guy at this point that just loves him. Because I do think his star has dwindled a little bit. This guy loves him, guy. Yeah, Darryl I mean, Morey I think it'd be James hard Harden. for just a normal GM to even take it on, you know? Have you ever seen a GM and a star player like this just be so tight at the hip? Like, James just aspires to be around Daryl. Is this because Daryl kisses his ass? What? I mean, Kirk Cousins and Kyle Shanahan? <laughs> Thank God. That would have been a similar love, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually kind of excited. This, I, I will say, I actually this trade has actually excited me a little bit to watch a little more NBA. Well, because you know what I want to watch when Ben Simmons like three twenty six, uh, Brooklyn going to Philly, and I saw Mannix or Woes was like Rich Paul says he's going to need a couple week ramp up. Is this guy just going to be ready? What's he been doing? He's going oh, it's you know he's going to be one week. He's going to miss that game by a week, John. Doc Rivers has coached fucking all sorts of players over his life. Give him that. He's seen it all. Uh, is Seth Curry married to his daughter? Yeah, and that, I saw Doc say the other day, like, you know. So he's traded his son and his son-in-law? But he didn't trade that, you know, this is probably not his call. Because I saw a quote. Kind of crazy, like, though. He even said, yeah. No, his son. Austin's his son. Yeah, yeah. But Seth is his son-in-law, and Seth got traded. Oh, you're, oh yeah, you're right. Son and son-in-law. Yeah. She doesn't. I mean, it's not that far away. They could probably daughter could stay maybe she'd rather be in manhattan or new york or brooklyn Philly, no Phil, i like philly i'm pro philly i mean you live there you but i've i've spent what, visited what, you went back thing, for another visit i liked it one thing that will be good for the nba you want this to be a playoff series right yeah the i mean philly, i want it you want it to Phil, be your conference finals you don't with all due the, respect to the box the philly booze will be i'm a, i like the bucks actually i just love that guy Giannis, I know, but the, but guy. if you're the NBA, you would rather have this series. Yeah, probably not getting it, though. 
like you love the Bucks, but I mean, I guess you know, Bucks Nets or Bucks Sixers would be pretty good. Uh, John, before we go any further, let's tell the people about our friends at Sleep Number. Sleepnumber.com slash ham. Sleepnumber.com slash ham. I bet Middlecoff was missing his sleep number at the Four Seasons Weston Marriott Los Angeles last night. But uh, you're back at the old. You said you're going to firm it up. So we'll be uh, keeping in close tabs on what you firm it up to. You worried about a, I think you're, what were you, a 30? So maybe you're coming up to a 40, 45 type situation. Sleepnumber.com slash ham. It's life-changing sleep. I want to get a good night's sleep tonight, guy. I'm, I can't wait to get a good night's sleep. My sleep number bed. Uh, I'm not. I didn't haven't had any caffeine since this morning. Dunkin' oh. Donuts. Uh, when I slammed an extra large iced coffee um, and a uh, bagel sandwich. But tonight, no more caffeine. I'm gonna get to sleep. Not gonna look at the iPad. Not gonna even watch TV. Just gonna hop in the bed. Sleep number. Boom. Turn that bad boy up to like 45, maybe. Firm that thing up, and uh, go right to night night. Yep. Healthy, not no no afternoon coffee. That's a big plus for you. Staying hydrated. You know, I've got the big cup. I've seen you with the big cup. If you if you're staying hydrated, that's a great way uh, to get yourself ready for for a good sleep. A nice, quiet, dark, oh. cool. You know, maybe you get a little fan, maybe a little white noise. Whatever you got to do. But what adds to it with sleep number is not only the adjustable bed, but the ability to keep track of your sleep, your health. With the data, the Sleep Number 360 smart bed shows you daily snapshots of factors that can dramatically affect your sleep quality, like duration, efficiency, and timing. So get almost 100 more proven quality sleep hours per year. Sleepers who use the three sixty, uh, the Sleep Number 360 smart bed features get almost 100 more hours of proven quality sleep per year. I mean, imagine if you get some of that sleep an extra hour the night before your Super Bowl. So... Discover special offers for a limited time at your local Sleep Number store, or what we would appreciate if you go to sleepnumber.com slash ham. Sleep Number, proven quality sleep, is life-changing sleep. We're also brought to you by Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed.com slash ham. Yep. So right now, keep it going, guy. Yeah. Right now what? Right now, you got a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash ham. The offer is valid through March 31st. Here's the deal. There are different ways that the Bengals and the Rams build their team, one through the draft, one through free agency. But what doesn't change is they had to pick the right people for their job. There's different ways to make a championship run, but what doesn't change is quality people are the key to championship teams. So build your dynasty now by hiring more MVPs and hiring them faster with Indeed.com slash ham. With Indeed, you get instant match. Over 90% of employers get quality candidates as soon as they sponsor their job post. Candidates you invite to apply through instant match are three, not one, not two, not three, actually three times more likely to apply to your job than other candidates who only see it in a search. Plus, the assessments, John. Star applicants. They can shine with over 135 assessment tests from cooking to coding, baby. Oh. So right now, get $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post when you go to Indeed.com slash ham. That's Indeed.com slash ham. Whoop. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Conditions is short for conditions. Whoop, whoop. Whoop. 
You gave it all you got there. Man. Coach. <laughs> you know, he just Half gave it all he got. Let me make a note here. You know, when he used to do that at the radio station, get a solo read, he got to keep all the money. He's got to split <laughs> these ones with me. You know, didn't even didn't even look at me funny. Was just shameless. You know, just reading. I was there doing reads. nights for four hours before you showed up. You know, it just is what it is. Haberman's getting extra five hundred dollars a month. You know, <laughs> eating eating fucking steaks. I mean, peanut butter and jays. Um. All right, John. A few, uh, a few uh, Tom Brady uh, add-ons here, and I wanted to give you a Super Bowl take, or we can get some Super Bowl takes. Actually, here's the Super Bowl take for you from our previous talk about my bookie. Sean McVay is an interesting spot because Sean McVay, when the um, when the Rams lost to the Patriots, said afterwards or has said since that he over he prepared too much for the game. Three points. Three points. What? That's how many points they scored in the Super Bowl. Three. Yeah. So the over preparation, he is not going up against Bill Belichick. Three points. Around. That's pretty nuts. What did the, the what did the Patriots have? Seventeen? I think it was thirteen to three. I think they thirteen scored. to three. There weren't many points scored in the game. Under so his, he got quote unquote owned, but he gave up thirteen points. I mean it could be worse. Yeah. Wade uh, Phillips. I, I guess if you're an offensive coach, three points is pretty bad, but I would imagine he's been stewing on that boy, bad boy for a while. And he is the number one reason why I've come around on our bet, which is the Rams minus four and a half, because I really, really believe in Joe Burrow. But I got to. So when we go back to like them scoring on the first drive, I think they're scoring on the first drive of this game. That's where it came up earlier. I think the Rams going to come out swinging. And their only hope Cincinnati is that Joe Burrow has the kind of game that puts you on a Hall of Fame trajectory, right? I mean, when you're as young as Joe Burrow and you win a Super Bowl, you are a Hall of Fame. You become a like this is Russell Wilson won hey, at Joe 25. F. Now you're wearing Anthony Munoz's polo shirt for the rest of your life. Russell won it at 25, and it hasn't what came next does not matter. Now, part of Russell's legacy was is that they got back to the Super Bowl, almost won back to back championships. He doesn't get blamed for losing the second one. But I mean, that's he got way sweeter. To me, like Brady a little too, Russell early on was not as dominant of a player as he's been like the last five, six years, right? Even same with Tom, like in the second half of his career. The thing with Joe, win or lose this game, he is a dominant, dominant quarterback right now, like as a player. It's not like the Bengals, number one defense in the league, and they have the number one running game, right? It's just like, Burl. That's well, kind of ahead, and really, he's coming off an ACL in year one, so this is really his first full year in the league. And I'm pretty sure it was like other ligaments too; like it was supposed to be really bad, yeah. and somehow he came back, and it looks like normal. Yeah. I my thing is just, it feels like one day Sean McVay will be on television, not coaching, doing other stuff. And you think about the two biggest television stars when it comes to the NFL: John Madden and John Gruden. Like he wins a Super Bowl. <laughs> His opportunities in life. Now, listen, he's already a star, and they would the networks and stuff. He could do it, and he would probably crush it. He, he's just pretty unique personality, unique look. But if that image of him getting carried off the field, which kind of feels like it was going to happen if they're going to win, changed the guy's life. Like it, I just think the way, you know, I mean, one thing we obviously talk a lot about Kyle here. Having that Super Bowl, there's a burden lifted off you. I mean, you've seen it with Andy these last couple of years. His his F's given on given games, and he just lets it rip. <laughs> there's yeah. no like, well, he's got a the elephant in the room. Now it's different because even for Kyle, because he's only 43 years old or whatever, 
Sean doing this at 36 years old, if he wants to truly coach for a long time, which, you know, the way he's wired and the burnout, you never know. But I, I was thinking what they're going to, they're going to be the favorites to win the NFC next year. Like they're going to be, I'm sure they're going to sign some sweet guys. They're going to have a little bit of an NBA, like Laker Miami heat vibe when they were good. Right. And guys just want to join for a little cheaper. Belichick did that for a while, but it was like, just cause you were guaranteed to win. Not, it was miserable. Why wouldn't you just take a little cheaper deal to come to LA and fucking just win big. It's sweet. He could, I mean, this, this, it's a huge moment. Like it's a big moment for Stafford and players, but like as a coach, and this young star, like, feel honestly, it feels inevitable Sunday that he's going to win it and get carried off the field and then just be on this tra- like trajectory. Like, is he our next John Madden, John Gruden on TV in the next decade? Yeah, or is he – I mean, he has a chance to then have a legendary run as a coach, right, to be two Super Bowls in three years in L.A. Um, like, why would he? Wh- how does he leave the Rams? Would be the question. Well, he it doesn't get it. You, you, most guys, unless you're Walsh, you don't leave when you're young and you're kicking ass, right? Not for a good team with an organization that values you, an owner that lets you do whatever you want. I mean, Stan lets them do clearly. We see it because they keep making trades that cost them a lot of money, and Stan doesn't stop them at all. Yeah. So it, I don't it, think Stan's a nothing in this equation. He ain't living in Watts. Yeah. I mean, he's fucking. <laughs> He, he he could have multiple homes, you know, fucking overlooking the water. So it's pretty cool place to live. Yeah, I I he gets to do his podcast in the offseason. Um <laughs> Peter you man. They, you think they'll bring him back for two point Uh I don't know. I got the feeling that Sean enjoyed it, but that that he was one and done listening to it. Yeah. Well, I mean they they talked to all his friends, like who else are you gonna talk to? It's true. Um he, you remember that he I, did I, interview Joe Judge? Like that that was a little that felt like a Schrager ad. Because <laughs> Schrager was like, I remember Schrager was like, you know, I'm walking around New York City. Everywhere I go, there's still excitement for this team, man. I remember that being part yeah, of it. Yeah, you're right, because McVay's like, you know, I don't, I don't know you, Joe, but I, I like the way you coach or something. So I was like, yeah. I didn't know anything about the Giants, but I remember thinking like, oh, I guess there's some there's some hype for the Giants. Okay, maybe the Giants will be good this year. <laughs> I didn't know they were quarter- supposed to be good this year. He's running quarterback sneaks in the diamond formation on his own 10-yard line. I'm, I'm walking around New York. There's a lot of excitement about this team, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> he just went back to the Patriots as an offensive assistant. Um, I think one thing with Sean is when does it set up like this for you? Like they got Stafford, as you said to me before we started the show today. Feels like Stafford decided the NFC representative. Uh, because the Niners wanted him and the Niners and the Rams played in the NFC championship game. But they they wanted Stafford, they got him. They added Odell, they added Vaughn. They've been to the Super Bowl before and lost. And now they're there against this team that is not as good as them. Like doesn't mean the Bengals can't beat them, but the Bengals are not as good as the Rams. It's pretty you and it's in your home stadium. I'm not no Super Bowl is easy, and maybe they lose this one and win another one. But when is it ever going to be easier than this if you're Sean McVay and the Rams? Like, it doesn't get more on a platter than this Super Bowl. Didn't Yeah, don't get Mahomes. Don't get Mahomes or Allen. Uh, Beat Brady. He's out now. But don't get Mahomes or Allen out of the AFC. I mean, that's not – they're not preparing for Lamar Jackson this week, right? That'd feel like a different animal. Herbert's not there. 
Do you think Rams? No Belichick. I mean, when they, I tell you, 49 er schedule 2022 is their Rams games their biggest game on the schedule this year. 49ers this year. Rams. This, yeah, this upcoming yeah. fall. Yeah, those two games are the ones that are the biggest games. Those two. Yeah. And now you know are the Rams, the defending champs. The Rams have broken the six game losing streak to the Niners. Yeah. Niners they are cheap. who you measure against. Yeah. It's kind of crazy how. Can Trey Lance, like, this is the future. Like, you're fighting these guys forever. Like, can this guy... Can it pivoted in Kyle's him? run that it went from Seattle to the Rams as, like, the big dog you're chasing. Even though Seattle, even when they're the shitty little dog, they're still kicking your ass. <laughs> you know, uh, no, I know. <laughs> You've got to figure out how to beat some of these divisional teams. You know, I, did we talk about the no comment from Kyler Murray? Were we, were we doing a stream? We did. Yeah. So, I mean, that's... Who knows? At any moment, he could quit, get traded, or just sign an extension. Who knows what the hell's going on there? But they're just division is just it's a good division to follow. I'll tell you that much. It's just a lot, a lot of storylines, a lot of a lot of powerhouses, a lot of talent. Well, I I, mean, I do think that's one of the things specifically with Trey John. It's just we Kyle Shanahan knows how to beat the Rams without an overly talented quarterback. Right? We could debate Jimmy, whatever. So that's kind of the, what Trey Lance is walking into. Is can you beat the Rams? Because Kyle knows how to do it. Can you help him do it? That's where I think the Rams game does get judged in a unique way, specifically for Trey. Well, can he Don't beat the other two teams too? I mean, he tried to beat the Cardinals. Couldn't well, yeah, the, uh, no, no, no doubt. But I mean, uh, Kyle has lost to those other teams, but Kyle oh, I, beats I, the Rams. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's gonna be hard. I mean, the two games that well, the Ram, the first one was the blowout, the Monday Night Football game. I think we all are in, are in agreement that if Trey Lance had been down seventeen to three. It would have been very difficult on the road in that environment to come back in the second half. Now, yeah, that would have been hard for Justin Herbert as a rookie. I mean, that's that's not you know, uh, I wouldn't put that all on Trey, but I'm with you. I mean, there's just it's not an easy team to take over for when you give those just I would just say the six opponents and then the hype. I mean, the hype in the two Rams games is going to be outrageous. I do think I just think the hype in the divisional games will be pretty big. You know. Unless Russell were to get traded, that would take some juice out of it. Yeah. Well, uh, this is what Albert Breer wrote. I'd have to guess that Russell Wilson will eventually get moved. And I have said the destination was going to be the Saints a month ago. Now that Sean Payton is gone, let's put him in the NFC East to the Eagles. In a way, it'd be sort of a redemptive move for Howie Roseman, who was part of a front office that planned to take Wilson in the third round in 2012, only to have Seattle scoop him up in the earlier round. Well, if John Schneider called Howie Roseman right now and said, uh, you interested in Russell Wilson? He would say, yes, the draft picks, take them all. It's like when Brian Dayball said, like, what was it like, you know, your start of your career? He's like, yeah, Belichick hires you, 15 grand, and you work a lot of hours in the week. Literally, all of them. Like, it's just like, what? I don't think there is any, I think Howie would part with so many fucking draft picks, and he has three first-rounders, he has a ton of second rounders. You know, I, I, I think you could you it's conceivable that you could get like three ones and two twos. Just, just all three ones this year or take a future. I mean, you could argue just take all three of them now because next year what if they're good. So uh to your point, the Eagles have their first, they have the Dolphins first, they have the Colts first, they have their second, their third, their fourth, they have three fifths whatever you want to do with that, and three-sixths. Uh, 2023, they have one, one, two. Would you trade your entire draft if you're Howie Roseman for Russell Wilson? 
So three ones, a two, a three, a four, three fives, three sixes, and a seven. Seems like too much for a guy who's I'm not sure is in shape. How do you get in shape? Hurts and two ones. Would you? I mean, would this? Would who says no? If they, if listen, Russell's going to go. He's got the no trade, so he can kind of control. He said, "I'd be down to go to the Eagles. I'd be down to go to the Giants." Feels like Sirianni. If you look at your Russell, you're like you, you kind of can tell him what to do too. Like you have some juice. Howie, kiss your feet if he's willing to trade you this. You'll be a star there. But you'd have juice with Brian Dayball, weren't you? True, but their team is way shittier. You know, the Eagles have yeah. a good offensive line. The Giants' team sucks. The Eagles have you know Miles Sanders, Goddard. They just drafted Devontae. Smith. You saw what they could do. Like you would just you don't know what Brian Dayball looks like as a head coach. You just saw Nick Sirianni take the team to the playoffs. Exactly. So division. Does three one does same. three ones and a two three ones and two twos so three ones this year and my two and then next year's two yeah I think that trade works I think Seattle's ultimately now part of it is like who else can offer you three ones in one draft now you might go well we don't like this draft but the but here guess what Seattle doesn't like any first rounds yeah. this draft next year's first the next year's draft they don't like anybody and and Jalen you'd probably have to throw Jalen or Gardner in there to get sure the which you would do yeah you know. You would happily do. I don't think it makes a big difference to Philly, but I, I do think this is. I mean, Breer that, just that, wrote that it. would be important though for the Eagle, you know, for the Niners and the Rams. Like then the Eagles would immediately be good, one thousand percent. Right? <laughs> but it also means the Seahawks are not as good, and they are in your division. Well, so yeah, you get. It. But I'm talking. But they're. But goal, you think you're saying Philly can be better than Seattle can be next year? I'm saying like if I told you round two Niners at the Eagles with Russell Wilson, you know? yeah, because you're saying they probably win a division. Yeah, right. I, I would division them, champ. Would you pick them over the Cowboys to win the division? Yes, I would too. I think they would be good. I mean, they would be awesome. I don't think Howie would hesitate with the three ones. And I've always believed this: the ones. Look at Jalen Ramsey. It got him picked. I heard Schrager say it to Bill Simmons. Like the two, he listed the two names that they got for Jalen Ramsey. You're like, yeah, who cares? You know. But when I know the picks, because a lot of times, remember it happened with Khalil Mack. It was like, well, you got the two ones. And then the next year it was picked 24. Now they got Josh Jacobs, who was a really good player, but they got picked 24, you know? So I know I can get picked 16, 18. I know what the numbers are. Now you're right. The the draft does kind of matter. Like you would be like, do I really like three players here? Yeah, but I mean, do they like, they don't, again, Seattle doesn't like three players, generally speaking. They're trading out of the first round all the time. I to me, they're like put it this way: there's gonna be good players that come out of this first round. It's gonna happen. I kind of feel like he gets traded, don't you? Uh, uh, I, I do. Like, I think it's, but like to me, it's like fifty-one forty-nine. Um, I think it makes sense if you're Seattle because you just had a bad year. You know, it's not like I mean, I think we act like they won two games. They won seven and ten. It wasn't that terrible. It, it was. I mean, but it was pretty. It, it looked it, weird. It was a stressful year. He missed and a bunch of games did. with the mallet finger. And he like what happens if he now I've been betting on him to come back healthy and look good again. But what if he doesn't? Are you getting let's say they have the same year again. Are you getting three ones and two twos for him next year? Well, do you think it's a it's a move that Howie could never get shit on if he's trending the wrong way and you trade it for a guy that's like diminishing? It's kind of Oh, you can always get shit on. Well, I know, nothing, but I'm just saying nothing like, is do you, do you think there's any risk where if you're Howie and Jeffrey, you go, I don't know if we can, ri-, like, what if he's trending the wrong way and we get fucked? 
To me, the only risk in that is, do you think that Jalen Hurts might be a good NFL quarterback, like a really a true starter? Because if the answer is no, you go, well, well, then how else are we getting a quarterback? Well, you just We're drafting well, Desmond Ritter this year? No, what we do is we just draft three players, and when we do have the opportunity to get one, our team is so stacked. But they've and already we, they're already kind of ready for a good quarterback. I know, but then you even get even better with the Jalen situation. Get Garoppolo? Because if he is like chubby, fat, and going the wrong way and kind of in this weird spot in his life where it's like football, it used to feel like it meant a lot to him, and now it's like, you know, he likes doing other shit too, you, you would regret that pretty quick. And it's one of those you'd know pretty fast. Like, did we just get, really fast. Did we just get mail it in Russell Wilson? Oh, no. And John Schneider's like... John yeah. Schneider kind of sold, you know, they've, bought, they've bought low, sold, sold high. They've sold at the right time on guys, right? Now, Richard Sherman had some good years left, but... Earl, Earl. I mean, they they have they tend to know when to walk away. They've got a, basically every guy right. So, are we saying it'd be better or worse than for him to if you're the well, Niners? If, he, if, he, if he's still good, if he's still going to be sweet, you want him traded to the Eagles so you don't have to fuck with him two games. But you do have to acknowledge they could be a twelve or thirteen win team that first round of the playoffs. You know, you're the six seed, three six Eagles on the road. That place would be hard, and if he's sweet. It would be a problem. Yeah. It would be a major problem because they have they have a good defensive line, they have a good offensive line, and they got skill guys. And like you said, they got a young offensive coach that's pretty open-minded. Like just – and I, I listened to McDaniel say he's like uh, – because he's really trying to harp on, I'm not just – my offense and the offense that I've learned around the Shanahan crew, we have a baseline of the offense, but we're open-minded to doing different things. He's like, we ran zone read with RG3. Not a soul in that room knew anything about zone reads. We just taught ourselves and we figured it out because we do what we have to do for good players. But that's the mark of a good coach, right? I bet Nick Sirianni would be like, I've been coaching Phillip Rivers for the last like five years. And then boom, I just got Jalen and we just threw in the Oklahoma offense. But that, I think Sirianni kind of gained a lot of juice around the league. Like this guy's yeah, pretty good, pretty impressive. For a guy that got made fun of, right, for being Tom Sula, he ain't Tom Sula, clearly, after one year. At all. He's just kind of goofy, but he's he can coach offense. To, to, to win nine games with a quarterback who can't really throw, that's pretty impressive in this league. Like part, I give Sean Payton a lot of credit. And, Sean and Payton I won think, nine games with no quarterbacks. And I think also to do it uh, in the market that he did it in, not every market matters, but... I think to be in his position in that market where there's a lot of pressure, I think that matters. Are the commanders uh, just always going to be like third third and fourth place? <laughs> Are they just destined to be just average to shitty? Just solid? Do you see Dan Snyder was like, I'm just going to investigate myself, guys. <laughs> Roger's like, cool, man. How many times does he investigate himself? This is at least number two. <laughs> he does a lot of like, eh, I, guys, I'm going to look in the mirror. I'll get back to you in a couple weeks and let you know what I find. Good John, guy still. Uh, thanks to Chase, who just uh, tagged us in a tweet. Now, we have not had time to watch this yet, but read this tweet. Uh, Kevin Clark had Joe Montana on his show, Slow News Day. I think they keep Jimmy until you find somebody else. I don't think Trey's ready to play yet Okay, as myself and after talking to some of the players. Um, it's one of those things that, you know, if you can keep Jimmy healthy... He plays well enough to get you here. Does that so like run it back? I, I think because I got a bleacher alert, um, a bleacher alert alert or a bleacher report alert that said Joe Montana says run it back with Jimmy. 
Uh, well, I mean, he might see, you know, he doesn't, <laughs> you watch that documentary, Joe doesn't like getting rid of the incumbent. So, no, he uh, might see some similarities, <laughs> but here's what I will say. If you didn't know anything about anything and you just watched the Niners play this year, you'd go, so the guy that the coach doesn't want to play is the guy that's taken over? That's weird. Okay, last night I was, uh, you know, Peter Schrager is just Mr. McVay, Shanahan knows his shit. And he, he, we were talking about Patrick Mahomes. I told you this before we jumped on. And I was like, uh, you know, if you remember Mahomes' rookie year, the hype around that building. A lot of it was Veach through Peter Schrager letting everyone know, like, get ready, guys! <laughs> get ready, guys! And they would do the occasional, like, Jay Glazer leak. Like, look at this throw! At first, it, they didn't leak, but it was like, guys, you can't keep saying you saw the sweetest play ever in practice. And then you would see him, like, behind the back, over his head, over, like, three defenders, touchdown in uh, Thursday's practice. And be like, they got something here. And it was just build up, build up, build up. Then he played, and everyone was like, holy shit, they might be right. That has not really been the case with Trey, right? There hasn't been like, it happened a little at the end of the year when Fred Warner's like, he's really kind of coming into his own. He's really kind of coming into his own. But it also felt like, were they doing that? Were they playing mind Jimmy Johnson games to build him up for that start, remember? Because Jimmy was banged up and it was yeah. like, was, was Kyle being like, hey guys, we might need him. Let's, let's build up that confidence. And it, you know, there's a, there's a chance they were doing that because I saw Debo he maybe said on NFL Network or I, he was doing, you know, one of his 8 million interviews for the Super Bowl where it's like, let's get to right guard, you know, and, and Debo was like, listen, I have, I will have Jimmy's back forever. Hit what he went through with the thumb and the shoulder. He could not grip the ball. So there were probably moments where he started getting banged up where Kyle just tells his leaders like, hey guys, you guys, need, I need you to build this guy up because at any moment, Jimmy could miss a couple weeks, right? And the Niners have high-level guys that can operate like coaches. I think it's fair to say that, and one thing I told Traeger, and we've talked about it before, is Kyle ain't, Kyle's consumed with one thing during the season, the opponent. He doesn't give a shit about like, hey, Trey, extra 20 minutes of practice, can we work on your releases? No. Him and McDaniel running back up, dial more plays, figure out how to fucking get yards against whoever the defense he's playing. There's a chance that Trey is not even remotely close to be a 17-game starter. People think I've been hard on him. What I've seen, again, not negative. He is very physically gifted. Like if now, you, it's hard to know how much he would improve from game to game. We didn't get to see him start back to back games, and he was clearly better the second game. Though, remember that first half was a little iffy against the Texans. So it's just yeah. he is a work in progress for a team that you think Kyle Shanahan's like, yeah, we're just going to be a work in progress in 2022. Or you think he's thinking, I'm winning 12 fucking games this year. I don't want to get win 10 and barely get in. I want to kick ass. Right. So I, I think Joe is, you know, I mean, if, if Joe reaches out to you, he, he could become friends with every single guy on that team, right? If they're like, hey, Joe, you want to be text buddies? <laughs> you know, it's like, so he would get, and what do you think they would like, give him the average information or they just give him all the sweet shit? So I think he's just being told, like, this guy just needs a lot of work because the Niners players are used to, being a part of the highest, like they're playing in playoff games. They're playing the best. Play like they know what it looks like. I, I think it's, it's okay to say that like Trey needs a lot of work. And anytime you get a guy that quote unquote needs a lot of work, it could be a really rough first year starting. You, you read these stories about like, or, you know, it's so long ago, but Manning and some of these guys that it's, it's difficult. Yeah. I think where it comes into play is at what cost are you willing to, stunt his growth or, or 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 delay his growth and can he grow 
while not playing, right? So are you willing to delay his growth for Tom Brady? Yes. Are you willing to delay his growth for another year of Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, Kyle Shanahan might. I, I've come Say around yes. to think, yes, Kyle Shanahan is just is just not Because he just okay. did it this year. If you told me that Kyle Shanahan, if you told him this year, you, you have no clue what's going to happen after, it's going to be, you know, you're going to learn with this guy, but you're going to go eight and nine. He would not. He would say, "Well, then uh, we have to find another quarterback." Not. I'm just saying, like he would. If you told him, "Hey, if you start Trey every game this season, I'm the football god, Nostradamus. You're going to go eight and nine. He'd be like, "Okay, Trey's not my starting quarterback this year." Then. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, some but coaches Jimmy might, might be like, "It'd be big picture," because he'd go, "Well, then I'll just keep Jimmy because I know I can win more in eight games." Here's the other thing: if Jimmy gets hurt, right, then I'm Trey Lance is my starting quarterback anyway. So you. You know what I mean? Like, if you're caught, you're like, well, I think Jimmy could win more games with him, so I'll just do that. And then if he gets hurt, then I do the other thing. But the, now the complication, right, is that Garoppolo costs $27 million. Yeah. But, you know, you watch that Montana doc, like, they went through Montana and Steve for, like, six years. They could no, do this no, for another No year. salary cap in the 80s. No, no, I just meant the controversy of it all. Like, if you were Jimmy and they said, Jimmy, we'll bring you back. Uh, we're going to need you to restructure. Instead of 27, it's going to be, you know... What's the biggest number? What's the smallest number he wouldn't get somewhere else? Like 15, 16? Say that one more time. What's the smallest number Garoppolo, the Niners could pay Garoppolo that would still be more than anybody else would pay him on a restructure? Yeah, I think you'd have to go to high teens. I think high teens, right? Like someone, the, someone could Steelers would pay him 15. Yeah, 19, 18. I mean, if, if Andy Dalton got 10, then you're right. Actually, 15 might even be low. Someone would give Jimmy Garoppolo $20 million to be a starting quarterback, okay. you'd think. So. But I mean that. Here's here's what I know because here's there's no Daryl Moore in this situation. If Kyle Shanahan does not believe, like I've come around full circle on this, we can be like Trey should play, but that's that ain't the way the motherfucker operates. And honestly, he's good enough; he can operate how he wants to operate. And if that quarterback, which runs his baby, which is the offense, ain't ready, Trey Lance is not going to be a starting quarterback. It's just that simple. And, and Jimmy Garoppolo, they do have his rights, and he will roll it back because Jimmy proved this year he can handle it. Jimmy is talking in absolutes because in his mind he thinks he's gone, but it ain't like it ain't. Jed's not going to pull the trigger. Well, John Lynch doesn't have the juice. Remember what I told you from my research watching the Pro Bowl on TV one with the volume on. Schefter said, I know people are just assuming it's a foregone conclusion that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get traded, but I wouldn't go that far. And we both said the same thing, like, yeah, okay. But I think your assessment of Kyle and the way we've talked about Kyle is correct. Because like, well, Montana's given us true inside scoop. Here's the other thing. I think we sometimes, when we talk about Jimmy not winning a championship, look at Garoppolo in the exact opposite way that Shanahan does, which is we say, see, you've seen now twice you can't win a Super Bowl with Garoppolo. But Shanahan goes, no, I went to the Super Bowl with Garoppolo. And then I went to the NFC Championship game with Garoppolo. And we, let, let's flip a coin. We were good enough to win that game. We could have won that game, right? Does he look at the plays that Garoppolo made that, you know, the almost interception uh, that probably could have been a pick six? Does he look at the interceptions that he threw in the weeks before? Or does he look at, I went to the NFC Championship with Jimmy Garoppolo in a sport where Sean McVay will tell you, and I'll tell you, we played six times. We didn't pound. We didn't beat the shit out of the Rams six times in a row. We're just clearly better than them. Half those games were coin flips. We easily could have lost them in three and three against the Rams in the previous six, right? So he knows that any quarterback, nobody guarantees you anything, but he knows that he can get to the NFC Championship game with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I think they just need to find a way to get Tom Brady on this team. But to me, that's the easiest move. 
You just get Tom. You just get Tom Brady on the team. You get Tom Brady. He sits for another year, and you fucking that's that's the game plan. I think that to me yeah, is your I love number one idea. option if that's a possibility. I know. And Tom be like, shit, I'll play for twelve million dollars. Well, we've seen Tom, unlike Peyton Manning. Well, I guess Peyton eventually did it. Tom has taken pay cuts to do what he what wants. If Tom was like, yeah, I'll play for like six. Just go get a couple sweet players. I mean, what if you, you, come, you, come, you like, can come to Tom with a plan like Tom? Here's what we could do. You give Tom like options like a car has like, OK, if you want it without the sunroof. All right, Tom, if you pay for um, if you play for the veteran minimum, here's what we can get. Do You know, the first thing that would happen if that happens, you would be driving down the freeway and there would be a guy up on the billboard taking Kittle off the Zennies and throwing Tom Brady up on Zennies with the glasses. <laughs> That would be the first. You'd be like, Tom Brady would have a national campaign yeah. for Zenny Eyewear. Zenny Eyewear, <laughs> uh, Pepsi. Like, he doesn't drink soda, but uh, yeah, what other Bay Area companies that it's they'd it. launder money to him from? It's, it's it. it. <laughs> like, uh, you know, at last check, It's It has a uh, uh, a revenue of uh, uh, $87 million, and yet they just gave Tom a $50 million endorsement deal. Where did we have come from? We have renamed Google. Tom Brady, so Apple. You're, instead of googling it, Tom Brady it. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> that would be. Jed's like my friends in Silicon Valley came through for me. <laughs> it's like you guys want to come watch Tom Brady play? Do me a couple favors. Tom makes more money in six months than he's ever made his entire life on all these side deals. Google's just funding him like three hundred million dollars. <laughs> well, Tom's playing for a hundred grand. As Tom, you know, yeah, just just play me the uh, practice squad rate. Like Tom is helicoptering into every practice, and the helicopter has seven logos on the side of it. I could see some crazy shit happening. Levi's, Tom and Levi Stadium Levi's. presented by Tom Brady. <laughs> no, you know, here's the move. TB12 gets a bunch of sponsorship deals. Well, you, you just, I could see you just rename Levi's for the year. We're just gonna, we're gonna push back Levi's deal one year. It's gonna be TB12. TB12, Tom has to like disassociate himself from the company, but like through some shadow company that gets paid in Switzerland, Tom still owns the company. Yeah, it's one of those like when you get the president, you got to take yourself off the boards. Exactly. But, you know, just give me a break. You're still getting funded the money. Uh, John, before we go any further, let's tell the people about BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com slash ham pod. BetterHelp.com slash ham pod. Go right now to BetterHelp.com slash ham pod where they update testimonials daily our listeners get 10 percent off your first month and they'll help you find the right therapist right there from the homepage. you go to betterhelp.com slash ham pod well think about this guy we, we work on so many things you know you, you get a workout today you try to eat the right foods we try to take care of our bodies we try to take care what professionally whatever we're working on I, I think sometimes and i know i do this personally we, we push our mentals off to the side and that's where better help comes in betterhelp.com slash ham pod uh, connects you with safe and private online environment with therapists. You don't even need to, you don't even need to turn your camera on, so you can avoid the waiting rooms, and uh, you just potentially get the help you need. And no one has to know, not a soul. You just go to BetterHelp.com/slash/hampod. It's between you and them, and you can even start communicating, guy, in under forty-eight hours. BetterHelp.com/slash/hampod. Start living a happier life today. As a listener, you get ten percent off your first month. By visiting our sponsor, betterhelp.com slash ham pod. Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app because it's the easiest and most exciting way to get in on the action. While you watch your favorite players in sports, you just pick more or less on two or more player stats, and then the fun is on. Prize Picks has something for every sports fan from basketball to hockey 
to League of Legends and everything in between. It's really simple to play. You make your picks, submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. I'll do it at halftime of a basketball game. And I also have some season-long more or less picks on MLB homers. You may remember, I've got less on Otani homers this year. We'll see. And at halftime of your next NBA blowout game, just jump on and go, ah, Steph Curry more than 11 points in the second half. It'll change the game for you. Download the Prize Picks app and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize Picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year, you get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at game time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called game time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park, been there a million times, never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app, your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Well, I do th- see one of the reasons Now, you and I have both been listening to Seth Wickersham's book. It's better to be feared. And it's a fantastic book. And we both I can highly recommend it. And uh, what, you, John and I, for people who haven't read the book, love talking about the book both on and off the podcast. If you've been listening to the podcast for about a month, you know, we talk about it a lot. Well, I was listening to one part of the book this weekend as I was this weekend. Today's Thursday, yesterday, Wednesday, as I was driving in the car in the life of a podcaster, there is no weekend and weekday. I was driving in the car. I'm listening to the book and it hit me. There are two reasons it finally crystallized for me why Bill Belichick traded Jimmy Garoppolo to Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. And I think it's one of the reasons why Tom 
ultimately wants to play for the 49ers. I think Bill, and I tweeted this, why did Bill trade him to Kyle to get a bunch of people's theories? Here are the th- Here's my theory, John. These are the two reasons Bill Belichick traded Garoppolo. Number one, he wanted Jimmy to succeed so he could say, I told you so to the Patriots. I found the guy. Number two, because it was Tom's ultimate dream to play for the 49ers, and this was a way to block Tom's ultimate dream, to have a little power over Tom until the end. And I think it would be a reason why Tom would want to play for the 49ers in addition to the natural reasons it's his favorite team. Now, the reason the book made me conclude this is because there's a portion in the book where Seth is writing about drafting Jimmy Garoppolo and Jimmy Garoppolo's development in New England. And what he says is that Belichick knows that with Brady, he got lucky, a sixth-round pick becoming the greatest quarterback of all time. But Garoppolo was part of the plan to replace Tom, and they nailed it. They drafted a really good player. They won with that player. In fact, he was so good that he threatened Tom standing, and they wanted to get him out of there. And they were forced to trade him. The other thing that crystallized it for me was what he writes about Bill's desire for his legacy in New England is that the Patriots are great after Belichick is gone. And the reason that Bill wants the Patriots to be great after he's gone is because it will reflect positively on what he has built, which he wrote. And this was news to me. It's like sustainable energy just keeps on going. It's it's it, it is a reflection of. You know what you it, to me, it's, you know, like a company that continues to thrive after the 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 founder has died and handed it off to his kids, which Bill might, I think, literally handed off to his kid. Well, dudes, uh, Cleo Mack took a picture in front of the pyramids in Egypt. Think about the guys that built the pyramids. Oh, the Mr. And Mrs. Pyramid. <laughs> you know, still going. So so uh, he said it was very different than Walsh, which I did not know this about Bill Walsh. But what he said, wrote, said is that Walsh wanted the Niners to fail after he left. That Walsh was sick to his stomach when George Seifert took over and took them to a 14-2 and record. And it was part of the reason that Walsh came back to coach Stanford. was to like George Seifert his friend? Got me on that one. I don't know what their relationship was, but maybe he picked him because he thought he wasn't going to be a good head coach and would fail. I don't know. But the fact that, that Bill's legacy in his mind is the success after he leaves to me, is part of the reason he would send Jimmy to Kyle. It's a way to say, I'm, you know what? I'm going to send him to the place where I think he's going to look the best. I think he's going to thrive for Kyle. And the fact that you made me trade him is going to make you guys look bad. And it's going to make me look good when Jimmy goes to Kyle. Like if he had traded them to the Texans, the chances that people would look at it like, man, Bill nailed that pick would be low. If he traded them to a coach that he didn't think could make the most of Jimmy, but would give him first-round pick for Jimmy? Because remember, when the trade happened, we were like, God, that's all he got for Jimmy Garoppolo? Couldn't he have gotten more? Why didn't he get more? Well, I think he placed Jimmy with the Niners because he thought Jimmy would look good. It would make him look good. It would make them look bad. I think those are the two reasons he did it. I'm convinced of it after listening to that book. And I think it's part of the reason Tom, if he played for the Niners, would get a little joy out of it. It would twist the knife on Bill. And the ultimate results were... Tom stayed. They won another Super Bowl. Bill and Tom thrived. Yep. Jimmy was solid, but Kyle got way more of the credit, so it made Kyle look like more of a genius. Ultimately, the Niners had to draft this player that, hell, Joe Montana doesn't even think is remotely ready, and Jimmy is kind of stuck here, unless Tom wants in, and then, like you said, they trade him and get Tom Brady, and Tom Brady ultimately gets his his way. The one thing, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. He did not 
I mean, it's well known he did he was not going to trade Jimmy to a shitty spot. But when you think, why did he just choose Kyle? He could have chosen. I mean, a bunch of probably decent teams would have taken him. And the Niners were terrible at the time, right? Yep. They but like, they were immediately good when they got him. Were they like one in ten or something? They were bad. They were bad. They were immediately good. I mean, they won their last five games. Like Bill, if that was Bill's plan, Bill was right. Yeah. Well, Bill knows what he's doing. Daniel says, says, "Oh yeah, was this the story that the Browns offered a one for Garoppolo?" Well, yeah, he wouldn't trade him the Browns. Browns fire, you know, he hated the Browns. So we already know that his per that then then we already believe that his personal feelings affected where he sent Jimmy. What do you think is more impressive? Belichick just being every time you hear a new story about Belichick, you're like, yeah, he's actually smarter. You think, or that Walsh is just an absolute lunatic? Well, it's more impre- the Bill stuff's more impressive. Yeah, not more, but like more just in light. That's that's a crazy story that he wanted them to suck. Their that team was stacked. Sick, quote sick to his stomach when they went fourteen and two. Bill was uh, serious, like anxiety, crazy. Walsh, yeah, yeah. I, you know. Just disappeared from the team. Kind of a classic, like, do you think he was just so smart, couldn't control his thoughts, maybe, type thing? Because he clearly was a brilliant, like, it's a, It's an example of having one thing figured out doesn't mean you have other things figured out, you know? Yeah. Because he figured out football. Figured out football. Feels like Belichick's a little more well-adapted just to society, like, in just, like, do normal things. Has a house in Nantucket. You know, his friend Ernie Adams made him a lot of money in the late 80s. The story has it. Yeah. I, I think that when people do similar things, we think they're the same. They're similar people. What do you think? When I when I heard the story of Ernie Adams making a lot of money on the stock market. Yeah. You know, Bill, even being the defensive coordinator for the Giants in the mid 80s, let's say he was making a couple hundred, you know, 150, 180 grand. It's not like he was giving Ernie Adams millions of dollars to invest. But I also thought, like, if he did give Ernie Adams $200,000 to invest, if you turn that $200,000 into several million dollars, like $2 million in 1988 was a shitload of money. You're asking, what would I guess Ernie Adams? Because Seth writes in the book that Ernie, this rumor is Ernie made Bill a bunch of money in the stock market. In the late 80s, when Ernie got booted out of the Giants, had to get a normal person job, went to Wall Street, dominated, <laughs> took some of Bill's money, his yeah. best friend growing up, and just, you know, obviously Ernie and Bill aren't fucking open books of their life, so no one truly knows, but it's just... There's a rumor out there, and it's kind of believable. What do you think the money that Ernie earned him on the on the stock market was? You know, you make some good points. When I was listening to the book, in my head, my assumption was like, he made him like $20 million. Like, he made him F.U. money. How would Bill have but, had that much money to invest? Yeah, unless unless Ernie just keeps doing it. Ernie still manages his money on the side. Because I often they also have things like Ernie and Tom meeting. If you're Tom, you'd be like, hey, anything good to invest in? Like, I'd be asking Ernie questions about like, hey, you got any, you got any stock tips? You got a right. guy that was feeding. You're supposed to update me on. A oh yeah, I haven't talked to him. It's, he's hard to get a hold of. He's got a young child. <laughs> Sleep patterns are off. But uh, I'll get back. To that. He's on. He's always watching the Chinese markets. Um, equities. I, I can't. Every time I ever went over to his place, it'd be like that's all that was on TV. But it's like watching sports. I mean, you know, you it's watch. It's just tickers, bottom Bloomberg, lines, and yeah. interviews, and three tickets. It's actually more extreme than watching. It's sports way. TV. It's way more extreme because. There's like at least when a coach goes like, "Hey, is is Debo going to play this weekend?" They can't just talk like eventually he's going to play or not. When you just watch a CEO of a company on some of these shows, they could just be making everything up. <laughs> I mean, it's just like you as a coach, I can lie to you, but eventually in the game, you're like, "Yeah, he was completely lying." I think some of these CEOs you see talking like, "What are they even talking about?" 
But then it's like, did you hear what they said? And then the ticker, and then it goes down like 10%. You know? Can you imagine, like, if, if sports were that way, like the moment, like, Debo might not play this week, Niners down 30%. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it didn't move a half point in the odds. Uh, Armando Salguero tweets, oh. I'm, I'm told Wes Welker is going to join Mike McDaniel's staff with the Dolphins as their receiver coach or return to South Florida after he played for the Dolphins in the mid-2000s. I mean, is there a chance to miss him? I mean, does West just not want to be in California anymore? I could see that. Well, I mean, was Kyle not going to elevate him to is 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 he making him offensive coordinator, quote unquote, offensive coordinator in name? Doesn't, doesn't look like it, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, is Mike McDaniel going to make West quote unquote offensive coordinator with the Dolphins as their wide? You're saying, even though they, Mike McDaniel calls the plays, so you're just saying they can call him the wide the offensive coordinator, but West would actually be the position coach for the wide receivers, a pass game coordinator. You just make him the pass game coordinator. Mike does the run game. West does the pass game. I mean, the Niners lost Lafleur, uh, McDaniel, and Wes Welker in twelve months. Yeah, that's Kyle got re- reinforcements. It's interesting. Does this get Wes closer to becoming a head coach? Becoming a head coach than working with Kyle does. If Kyle wasn't going to make him quote unquote OC, then yeah, I guess. Got a pretty sweet unit here. And really think about it. If Kyle's the pass game coordinator and Mike is the run game coordinator, being a run game coordinator gets you higher in the Niners structure than being a pass game coordinator does. Ultimately, you need to be with the run game coordinator to become the offensive coordinator. Truth. Kyle's losing coaches left and right. I mean, that's kind of, that, that's nutty. Not nutty. I mean, but man, I, I didn't. Yeah, I could see West not loving California. You know, they, it's so expensive. You, you know, if they give you the same money. You know, his con- maybe his new contract, he doesn't want to resign. West made a lot of money. He doesn't need to do this for, like, the cash and the cash. Yeah. Because you would say, why would you go to the Dolphins <laughs> if you were allowed, if he wanted you to stay? More responsibility, maybe. Opportunity. Like, they got, you can go work with Jalen Waddle. You just did the Debo thing. You get credit on that. But Kyle gets all the credit on, that's the other thing, right? Is Kyle gets all the credit on your receivers. All the here. credit. Yeah. You, you, you don't get just, you don't get any juice. I mean, if you win there, you are... You you are a step closer to being a head coach, uh, and like you said, it's been in Miami. Maybe just really likes Miami. Also, that could be a possibility. Doesn't chance to suck. go, chance to go toe to toe with Belichick. <laughs> Hates Belichick. I mean, think about that. Like he's coaching offense against Belichick's defenses now. Hates Belichick. Even though Belichick once traded a second round pick for him, well, like Bill really valued him, but they hate yeah, each other. That interaction with them on the sidelines. Was it young? Was it young Edelman who was on the field? Young, yeah. Edelman took a punt to the house, and Bill looked at him like, "You about to get Wally pipped?" Didn't he say that to him or something? Yeah. <laughs> you know who Wally Pip is? That was the conversation, <laughs> and he was like, "No." <laughs> Bill fucking Belichick is ruthless, <laughs> right? And he, when he was telling the truth, right? I mean, Edelman literally took his spot, right? Became Wes, and it does feel Bill. If you said Bill, who do you like more? Not who the better player was, but who do you like more? Who who do you think he'd respond? Edelman. Yeah. I mean, Edelman was a Kent State quarterback. Pretty like remarkable a, story. It was a genius. genius. You, you know, you get it's one of the things that makes you a genius. Where did I mean, West, obviously, obviously, Tom, oh, Texas Tech. Yeah, Tom's one of the great draft picks of all time. Drafting a quarterback in the seventh round, turning him to a slot receiver, and that guy ends up 
being a core member of your three Super Bowl teams and wins a Super Bowl MVP. Does Belichick get enough credit for that draft pick? No. What round was it? Seventh. Seventh. But still, you had to convert him the position. I think a lot of people is like, we're not a converted position for a little guy. Like, he's not Antoine Randall. Like, that's an undrafted free agent. Bill did pull the trigger to draft him. Yeah. And then, like, his just, he becomes your star quarterback's best friend because they have, like, this just, I, I think about that sometimes too. Like, if you just, if you're Tom, you, you obviously by then, that was like 08, 2010 or 11 or whenever, whatever year they drafted Edelman. They do draft a guy who literally grew up right where you grew up. There is just some comfortable, like you just another Bay Area guy, literally on that side too. Like he, I think uh, Edelman grew up in the peninsula, like right where kind of where Tom did. So you just, you know, all the same food spots. You just, there's just a connection with the human being. Any, anytime you're Woodside, right? Home, Isn't that where he is? Where, where Edelman was? Isn't that where he is? Woodside? Was, is? Yeah, Woodside High School. Is that, that's on the peninsula, right? Yeah. So it's just like Shanahan should hire him. Imagine if you just moved to like Florida and then like five years later, you just start working with this dude. You're like, where are you from? You're like Clovis. You know, where are you from? Uh, Davis Pacific Pacific Heights, uh, West Sacramento. It's just like, fuck. Yeah. You're just gonna, you want to go get a beer? You want to go get dinner? And then he, then there's the nature of their position, right? He's throwing it to him. Then he believed in him. That friendship was Bill's right. You know, he moved on from Welker to that little guy. Man. He, he might say we could never win a Super Bowl with Wes. Uh, John, we'll finish with this. I think we'll finish with this unless we've had multiple breaking stories as we've continued here and you need to get to your sleep number. Uh, Brian Harson's father called into Paul Feinbaum, Dale from Boise, to defend the coach. His father's name is Dale Harson. And he lives in Boise. Why? Because Brian Harsh is from Boise. Why I thought he, he did Dale? a pretty good job with Kellen Moore, Leighton, Vander Esch, and Jay Ajay, said Dale from Boise. <laughs> what else did he say? Um, uh, yeah, this, I don't know. This, this is See, this is the problem, guy. As Phil Savage wisely once told me, in the SEC, oh, when go. the when the floodgates open on you, there's no stopping the avalanche and the waterfall coming, and no. it, it it happened to our buddy Jim McElwain. Yeah, and there's did. just there's no stopping it. And this, while it seems pretty innocuous and funny, it's not like it's not like this is not what you want. It's, this is serious. But I'm just saying, like Dale calling into Paul Feinbaum, it's no, just it's, like you, you can't be doing that. It's just. That will be the number one story tomorrow in SEC land. Well, Brian Arson's dad. Yeah, the, the wave I think in the SEC is so strong. It's one of those: the harder you struggle, the tighter it gets. Right? It feels because there's less teams. It's almost stronger than the NFL, unless it's like a you know Deflate Gate or Bounty Gate or something. You know, enormous. Those stories transcend sports, but like in the SEC, like a football story just can take on a life of its own and grow. And this thing feels like it's growing as rapidly as any SEC story in recent memory. This thing went zero to 100, it feels like, in two weeks. With nothing happening. No, well, I think they're having SEC media day in the spring. Well, no, they're having SEC coaches meetings today. That's oh, what that's was going where, on. Oh, that's where, because Kirby got out of a van. They're like, he drives a minivan? <laughs> 
so they just meet. Is it just kind of like the the equivalent of like the NFL owners meetings where you just kind of meet and go over some shit? I guess, yeah. So Brian Harson's just sitting there trying to act like everything's normal in front of like Kirby, Nick, and Brian Kelly. I don't know. <laughs> hey guys, how you doing? <laughs> Wouldn't you love to be a fly on the wall in that? Those twelve guys. I saw somebody playing? tweet like hundred percent. Mike Leach brings it up. <laughs> Mike Leach. It is Brian Kelly, Mike Leach, Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, Jimbo Lane. It's pretty. Hypel's always angry. Hypel, who's at uh, Florida? Hired Napier. That's kind of shit. Napier. Who, uh, I mean, no, no more Muschamp, right? Who's South Carolina's coach? Oh, it's uh, it's the old Virginia Tech's coach son. Oh yeah, Beamer. Uh Kentucky Stoops. Probably a fun. Looks like a fun guy. Yeah, it looks like he's having some beers. I mean, I Texas and Oklahoma. Do they get to come now? Sark. Probably not yet, but I almost said Lincoln, but it's Venables, huh? Not Lincoln, John. <laughs> Shane Beamer, yeah. Thank you. You so. see, Colin poked the bear pretty good yesterday. He had a tweet about it, and I we were talking about it last night. And he's good at like he can create a firestorm, and he just doesn't check. Like he doesn't care about Twitter. Like it doesn't bother. But I was like, bro, do you see some of these like Teddy Layman, like their crew of guys in Oklahoma were very offended. That you know, like you know, he got to go on Good Morning America instead of going on with like Frank the Tank and the Booger, you know, he, yeah, he made, yeah, you know, a joke. He's been making fun of morning talk shows since I remember his first years at ESPN. But I think this one really struck a chord because this kid, you know, went on Good Morning America, right? And they're acting like he's like he only gets that opportunity because he's SC, and then and then he's making fun of kind of their culture, and yeah, then, you know, all Oklahoma's like, I'm talking former players. Teddy Lehman does the radio. I mean, he well, his his tweet was pretty funny. It's like <laughs> well, the reason he doesn't go on GMA is because a sports station would ask why he can't read his own. <laughs> but see, that, that's an incredible tweet. Well, then it starts getting personal, right? So then it's yeah. like. Caleb's getting shrapnel over something he had nothing to do with. And you got Teddy Lehman, who was just singing his praises all last year, is now fucking dropping hints the guy can't read zone coverage. <laughs> Here's my other take really quick on SC. And Lincoln's not necessarily doing this, but there you can feel it. It's all of a sudden it's like, should, should are they going to go to the playoffs? They still might. They're not going to suck like they did last year, but they easily could be an 8-4 and four team and it not like he left a team. Here's what I will say. Can Brett Venables be a head coach? No clue. Their team was stacked, right? The Oklahoma's roster is way better than USC's roster. He could have an underwhelming. It could be hard. Now, the conference isn't as good, but don't you think the hype on just like, could this team make the playoffs? It's already getting Yeah, I think for, I think any can they make the playoff stuff this year is very premature. What would be your guess record for USC football this year? Uh, well, they uh, let's see. They start with Rice, so they'll be 1-0. Well, then I think it. they play Stanford. Um, then you got uh, Hayner, Caleb. Then you got Caleb. Yep. And then you got that game. So, well, I but mean, I'll give you a good example there. You, and not, Stanford always plays them well. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Could Fresno State beat them? Or, I mean, uh, you know, I think returning quarterback. Yeah, Jeff Tedford's a good coach. And usually, even if you're going to be a great new coach, you, you, you sometimes you just get a crazy L your first year. I mean, that's a crazy L where it's like, you know, SC, that won't fly. I think they're two, four, five, eight, and six, four. seven. Yeah, I think they're probably at least eight just looking at their schedule. But that doesn't, there's a long way from even if it's nine to play off. Those are two very different things. Yeah. They play Notre Dame? Yeah, of course. 
at home at the them. end of the year. Good for them. You know, sometimes it alternates and it's early. PFF, the renter guy, I think played at Notre Dame. They have a guy that played at Notre Dame and he's like, will you stop ducking, not coming to Notre Dame in the, in the winter? Because I guess they always, when they go to Notre Dame, they're like doing it early because of warm yeah. weather. Yeah. And that's a big thing. Like Notre Dame wants to put them on the schedule later, but SC like refuses. <laughs> I thought it's already set every other year, like the way it alternates. I know, but the, the based on Stanford, the, the timing of the game, like when you're going to play at Notre Dame, the Notre Dame wants that game in November. Yeah. And SC likes that game in like September. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Montana wouldn't dodge you. No, Montana would love to play that game. His, his kids have got great genetics. You know how skinny they all are. Oh my god! <laughs> and they all kind of look like him, but his wife is gorgeous. So they, you know, they they're just good looking. There are some clips of her, even like when the when he went to the Chiefs, it was like Jennifer Montana. The, was she the best looking woman in America in like nineteen ninety one? Yeah, I mean, I I don't see. Maybe there was a tie for first. But. Well, I mean, Cindy Crawford had a moment. You know, I could say her, Cindy Crawford. I mean, it's Jennifer. I might even give the nod over Cindy Crawford. And Cindy Crawford, I thought when I was a kid, was the best looking woman in the history of women. Jennifer Montana. There was the clip when they were walking out of the Chiefs. He had just met with Carl Peterson. I was like, Is that with the short hair? Was she, that, or was that the Super Bowl? Was short that hair? was the shorter hair? I'm like, She looks fucking Jesus, Joe. Because you watch some more Joe, like, Joe's not. Joe ain't Dwight Clark. You know? No, but Joe's personality is so good. Like Joe, no, it is. It is. So as a guy, luckily, you know, we can have good personalities. But just you know, Joe's like if Joe's not a starting quarterback, you know, he's like a seven. <laughs> she was a ten plus. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was. She's beautiful. All right. On that note, peace. Later. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.